0: episode of the forgot my dice podcast i'm your host jonathan edwards and with me of course the do we still know how to do this to it's been way too damn long mr robert lundgren how you doing
1: i didn't put in a joke and yet nice cover nice thank save you. thank you nice save nice save
0: yeah i got to i got to blank on
1: the script and i i kind of scrambled for a half beat in my head and and uh was that even a half beat? I didn't I didn't even hear a break, man. Like you just went. You rolled with it. You, the punch. You just rolled with the punch. That's, that's what we do because we're we're professionals, Robert. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Hashtag um, stupid things I've said today. Anyway, moving on.
1: <laughs> it's been too long, buddy. It's been it's been a lot longer than I thought. Uh, uh, Gina and I did like a, a little itty-bitty episode, and I found out one of my microphones is broken because editing out that <sighs> was really annoying. So annoying. I can imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, basically, it's my
1: fault. I spent the month of June
0: traveling for work, traveling with children on a school trip, and then traveling to a friend's wedding and... Here we are. Not
1: coming to visit me, even though you were a mere four-hour drive away, which is far superior than the
0: 28-hour drive. Such a turnaround. Let me tell you, I I landed, helped my buddy get everything set up for the wedding the first day I was there, did the wedding the second day I was there, and left his apartment at 3.30 in the morning the third day I was there. (laughs) In what I can only describe as apparently Seattle's only working Uber driver on a... Saturday morning at 3.30 in the morning. No, Sunday morning at 3.30 in the morning. It was it was a hell of a turnaround. He was cranky, too. So cranky. Cranky Uber driver.
1: I can't imagine why somebody would be cranky at, you know, three in the morning. Oh, no. He, he just hated
0: living in the Pacific Northwest, apparently. He was really
1: mad. Well, how could you hate living up here? It's amazing. Uh, I know. I was
0: stunned. I had beautiful weather while I was there. And uh, my buddy's wedding was way, way out in the country in in a valley in between mountains. And it was just stunning. And actually, oddly enough, I went for a little walk after the reception, uh, or not the reception, after the rehearsal dinner. Uh, All I could think of was our test session for, um, you know, you remember when we did the little test session before we did the King in Yellow?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it
0: was, you know, little shack out there in the woods and... Creepy crawly and a rusted yeah. out uh, tank and stuff. Yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah. Except just just the gorgeous part. None of the creepy crawly crap.
1: No, 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 undead wife and the uh, septic tank being held yeah. captive because you know yeah. vessel of the unknown. That that
0: part yeah. not so much. Yeah. All of the pretty Pacific Northwest country with literally no cell signal. I had no bars the entire time we were out there. Uh, was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad I evoked that correctly in that in that in that session. No, sold that. confirmed. That's good GMing right there. I am a good GM. Well let's
0: let's kick this episode off right with a huge thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming and all the fun stuff in between and and honestly we're 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 here for you guys and all our fans of course, but you guys especially are just gems. Absolute gems, and we love you. Thank you for your patience as we get
1: summer out of the way.
0: Summer with children is just busy.
1: Well, and it's it's like I mean, even more so than last summer, it's like kind of the post-COVID summer, yeah. although we're not technically endemic yet, but still, like, yeah. It's, oh, no, I think it's fair to say we're endemic. I up. had it a second time, yay. Yeah. Go me. I, I, knock on wood. I still haven't gotten it yet, knock on wood. Traveled to Canada, and <laughs> the only thing I
0: brought back was COVID, but it was a real- f- Oh! It was
1: a real friendly COVID, though. Oh, it was all like, um, hey, uh, sor- I'm sorry, man, I'm going to have to give you a sore throat, eh? Just like to go on record as saying, Robert Lundgren
0: is the one that did the uh, Canadian accent attempt there. Jonathan Edwards is staying away from it, and we'll just say that it was, as far as diseases go, two nights of fever and a lingering cough. It was functional and doable. I would hate to know what it was without the without the jab.
1: Yeah, yeah. My kids just got their their sec- their third jab, third job, the booster. Yeah, yeah.
0: Apparently, I, apparently we're I, qualified I for fourth second. now.
1: What? Oh man. I'm on that, yeah, I'm gonna be in an airplane next week i' I'll, oh I'll god air travel right now, oh air travel right now i've 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 been
0: on one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven I've been on eleven flights in the last month, and I can tell you assuredly it's gotten worse didn't think that was possible after deregulation I stand corrected,
1: it's gotten worse no, we can't get two boosters yet according to the c d c Where'd you hear that? Oh,
0: maybe because I qualify Another. because I get um, asthma, seasonal asthma from uh, from my um, uh, allergies. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. Yeah,
1: that that might be it. That might be it.
0: All right. Either way, I got it again. It, it wasn't so terrible. I I really do credit the the vaccine for for helping it just kind of cushion the blow because somebody else I was with also got sick and they had not been vaccinated and they got decimated, absolutely flattened. So
1: um, thank you, science. Raw science. We are a pro science podcast here. Science! Science! Science. Yes. Thank you, Thomas Dolby. You've given us a gem. I love you. Well, Jonathan, on that lovely note, happy National All or Nothing Day. This is the day. Have you if you want to go skydiving or or do something, I don't know, what's the good word? Stupid, kind of stupid, kind of kind of kind of want to like live Stupid your O's a, or stupid with a u. Uh o? Two o's. I don't know.
0: Stupid. Two o's?
1: I I'll I'll, I'll go with uh, Keanu Reeves and Point Break Stupid. Like, you know, go skydiving, go surfing, go do something extreme or <laughs> where, extreme you, where you drop the yes, where you drop the e and make the x capitalized because it's that kind of stupid. It's extreme. Anyway, yeah, go, go do it. Go, go do it. And while you're doing it, use that hashtag, hashtag National All or Nothing Day. So there you go. We'll talk about this in a bit, but I, I've, I watched a Keanu, a young Keanu Reeves movie, and for whatever reason, even though I didn't watch it, it was making me think of Point Break a lot. I watched a Keanu watch Reeves movie, movie too.
0: That's really funny.
1: Wow. Wow. It's like we're synced up.
0: We are. It makes me happy when we have these little happy coincidences. Was it Point Break?
1: No, I. I, watch I am an <laughs> FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jack Travis, LAPD. Oh, you watch Speed, Pop yeah. Quiz,
0: Hot Shot,
1: Shoot the Hostage. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. Hold on. Hold on. I, I'm about to go on a tear about some other stuff I've been doing. So, so we'll, we'll just, I'm going to put, in, um, save it for the podcast. Save for all the right. Podcast. Well, but before we and get it,
0: into it, uh, suffice it to say, this is going to be a slightly different than normal episode. Um, this is the transition. We're going to have a slightly larger than normal break between this episode and the next one as well. We just wanted to give you something because we miss you and we love you and we miss doing this. Uh, most of all, like I really have missed talking to my friend. This has been a suck of a month and a half in between episodes.
1: I'm not happy about it. So here we are. Because of that I, I also forgot to watch uh I forgot to watch Thinner because yeah. I don't think they need to know that. Well, I'm 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 gonna admit what I did wrong. I, I knew we had to watch Thinner. It wasn't on HBO anymore. I didn't want to rent it. And I forgot to check when the month rolled over if it was still on HBO and it wasn't. So I'll get it from my library. I've already got that squared away, but yeah. I I don't know. Sorry. I'm not terribly enthusiastic about watching this movie, so uh, it's not like... I'm not either. On the top I'm of not either.
0: I, I, I must yeah. say, I wasn't sad when you texted me and said, don't worry about watching it right now. I wasn't sad about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, today's episode is going to be a supersized segment one, which is our off-the-shelf segment, uh, because it's been a long time and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, and then our... Second segment will be part two of our supersize segment one. Uh, There will be no segment uh, two as we would normally have. And then we do have a deep dive prepped and ready to go for you. Uh, It will be uh, capping Eric Lang's trilogy of games, which we will talk about more in a little bit. But for now, Robert, it's time for our off-the-shelf segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all, and in this particular case, it's a metric tonne. Of things that we've had off of our shelves uh, and onto our tables, into our media libraries, laptops, iPads, phones, whatever toots your horn,
1: and most importantly, into our hearts. Where do you want to start, my friend? I think we need to go in order because I, I split it up on the script, so I think we got I, we got a 50-50 shot. Our, our, our first... Trio of topics is something we neither of us has, which is we haven't painted miniatures at all, so we'll skip that. Yes. Uh we got movies and TV really, and board games. Really so hard you, to work or on or any kind of get...
0: miniatures when you're just not home for a, a month.
1: I I wasn't home hard. Well, I was uh I was uh, at Girl Scout camp helping out last week, and so yeah, I was I was very busy. Very busy. I don't know. I'm gonna talk about that first. F- what are you gonna do about it? Yes, I was I was a Girl Scout uh counselor for the tag-alongs, aka the boys of people that work there that are too young to stay home alone. I was running that show. It was it was interesting. It was fantastic to be honest with you. I met some cool guys. We hung out. Uh, I got to shoot a bow and arrow too, which was the highlight. Oh, and I got a I got a light a fire with my uh, kindergartners, which uh, they were both Hi-ya! intrigued by. It. Yeah, yeah, that was a good good time. Flame and marshmallows. Ah. Memories, man, memories. And we're running around the woods, not like out there in Texas, you know. You want to hear something, Jonathan? You want to hear something funny? It was so hot that first day. It was so hot. It got to 87 degrees in the forest. Oh, I hate you so much.
0: 87 would feel like an air-conditioned room compared to how it's been out here this this month.
1: I know. (laughs) It's been absolutely stupid with a U. Jonathan? Yesterday, the weather was lovely. We had a high of 72. I kept the windows in the house open all day.
0: I, I got really excited because this morning when I took my my pup for a walk at 7.30 in the morning, it was only 78. And then when I took my second walk on my lunch break, it was 103 and it was miserable. It was so hot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, yeah. I got to run around the forest for a week. It was it was fun times. Oh, and we all had camp names. Are you aware of this phenomenon? I don't know if it's a camp thing everywhere or whatever in Girl Scouts, but uh, yeah, everybody's got like a, a top secret camp name. And my my kids are kind of, well, they're kindergartners and they're a little oblivious. So one of them just went with the Godzilla because that's all he's into. I mean, that's a pretty
0: damn good camp name. That's just a pretty good yeah. name.
1: I don't care. Yeah. Like, I I approve. But the other one, my other boy, went with The Steve as his camp name. Not Steve. <laughs> he is The Steve. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yeah, I have a who, feeling who it chose was what? because... Who chose what? Uh, Barry chose The Steve, and Miles chose Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Does The Steve yeah. have, like, an intro song?
0: Like, nah. he says The Steve, and all of a sudden an announcer comes out of nowhere. The Steve! And ba da ba All the horns blare, and... I believe it's a Minecraft reference. It is. I I recognize it. I, I'll have to ask the kids because I think the Steve is the name of a zombie or something. I have no idea. Dude, I don't I, know. I have absolutely no clue. i I don't like Minecraft and Roblox. I, I just, I've tried. I just, it's not for me. I don't get it.
1: I like Minecraft. Although I like Dragon Quest Builders better, anyway, I, I like uh, that.
0: I like my, that it's constructive. I like that the kids are expressing their imagination
1: in it. I just don't get the appeal. The survival end of it is intriguing, and and yeah, like I don't know. It's that's I I, I want something. I, don't know, I I've been meaning to try that Valheim game because that seems a little bit more. Oh, it's super too. cool! I really enjoy it. But it's best See? experienced in a group, and I
0: haven't managed to find a partner that has the same time as I I do. So, um, let me know if you want to give it a shot. I will. I'll I'll find the time.
1: Well, I don't even own it. I don't even know if it works on Mac. I don't think it does. So, I don't get to have nice things. But <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it's am coming I to consoles was, uh, soon. I think they're they porting it.
0: Ooh, it is coming to Xbox Game Pass, spring of twenty twenty three.
1: Oh, so I won't get it until 2024 because it'll probably be an exclusive. Lovely. Ugh. I hate I hate all this stupid game companies and their exclusives. Also, it doesn't help that Xbox is totally whooping butt on that, and I don't have an Xbox. But yeah, it's not too late. Anyway, buddy. it's I, not too late. I want to say my camp name. I want to say my camp name. God damn it! I was the gnome, and uh, that might have been. I my mean, it tracks. It tracks with everything. Yeah. Oh, and and get this, you. want... <laughs> My daughter, you know what her camp name was? Door. It's some Roblox reference I don't understand. And her friend was Band-Aid. Those That was was the camp names.
0: I don't get it. This is the same silence that I give my children when they tell me things that mean nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, I built a Google Slides presentation today. And it looked great because I animated things on it. So what do you think Mm -hmm. of that? And I was
1: assist, I was assisted by two, uh, two counselors or, uh, PAs, I guess they call them, uh, Tinkerbell and Fawn, which are both Disney characters. And then the, the rest of the crew was, uh, dog boy, C top, Ooppa uh, Foxy and skull first. And I don't know, I mean, I, I, the, the obvious ones that we, I don't know what skull first or any of that means. I don't know why they picked them, but yeah, it was, it was highly entertaining Did I mention I shot a bow and arrow? And I was like a wizard with the slingshot, man. I hit so much stuff with the slingshot. I was really good at it. Like, who knew? Apparently, I'm some sort of savant when it comes to the slingshot.
0: That's the way I was with the bow and arrow. I've gotten like three opportunities to shoot one, and each time I'm like crazy accurate. That and axe throwing. So apparently, at some point in a former life, I was a huntsman, uh, which is very strange because now I cringe at the thought of taking life. So I don't know. (laughs)
1: And Jonathan uh, While we were at the archery station uh, There was a PA there who was going by the name of Einstein And uh, we bonded Over our shared hatred of uh, of Texas uh, She, We were talking about how uh, hot fair. miserable it is there That's fair I'm going to yeah. allow that and, yeah. and in fact encourage
0: it <laughs> yeah. Which of course yeah. brings us to this episode F*** you Greg Abbott F*** you yeah. f- you Ken Paxton You, it- you f***s are making my life a living f***ing hell suck it was it early
1: for that jonathan was it no early for that? no
0: it was just the perfect time it's you know you never know it's gonna be early it's gonna be late sometimes it's gonna be in the middle you just don't know but you breached the wall
1: and out came pouring out you know what i'll, I'll let i'll let you have it because uh we haven't been on for a while so it's probably built up there's a back i'm floor. sorry there's yeah. a couple beeps you're gonna have to add there but uh yeah yeah i feel good about that uh so what do you want to do? do you want to do board games or movies and tv Let's
0: get board games. Board games. games Let's do this all in order.
1: Oddly enough, it's a little more condensed. Okay. So Ray came out to the Pacific Northwest and we hung out twice. I so friggin' jelly
0: about that. I, I wanted to go down so bad, but there just wasn't especially since I'd got just gotten over COVID, like uh my poor wife was on the edge because yeah, I basically was sequestered the only couple days I was home and
1: didn't go over well. Well, I got to hang out with him twice. Uh, uh. Oddly enough, I, I I didn't see this from the pictures on Facebook and stuff. It just didn't register for some reason. Ray is really tall, like slightly taller than me, which is always off-putting because I'm 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 a pretty tall, dude, and so You're when someone's a little bit taller than me, yeah. Well, but I'm used to being the tall one, and so if someone's taller than me, it's weird. Like I, I get like I get like I feel. I feel preyed upon. Like, I feel like something's watching me that wants to hurt me or something. It's really bizarre. I don't know why I have that reaction, but I do. And Ray was giving it to me for a while until I got used to it. Oh man. Uh, Ray seems like a lover. Like, I don't think that he would eat you. (laughs) It's just some weird programming of mine. Uh, But yeah, yeah, no, Ray, uh, you got to weigh
0: in on this man. Like, would you eat Robert or would you just give him a hug? Oh, he gave
1: me a hug. Was that before or after you
0: quelled your fears of being eaten by him?
1: Uh, 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 before, before actually. Well, there you go. See,
0: he is a hugger. I told you. He seems that way. Ah, man, I'm so jealous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he, uh, he bought, he, so he brought down a bunch of games. Uh, I played, uh, he bought Super Skill Pinball while he was here, while he visited a local game store. Oh, God,
0: I know. You've got, you I need to go. I'll, I'll, I'm making it a point.
1: That's on the list. Oh. Here's the thing. I am not a board game guy. You know this. Everybody knows this. I'm the RPG guy in this in this hizzy. But uh, I'm going to get that game. I'm going to wait for the Star Trek version to come out because I love me the Star Trek the most. um, And I can wait for that. But yeah, I'm definitely getting the Star Trek version when it comes out because that game. The, The last time you got this excited about a board game was what? Welcome to. And
0: I have just desperately fallen in love with that. So that's a really good track record.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you know this about me, Jonathan, but I have I have a really deep and abiding love for uh, pinball machines. I oh, love, I do too. They're the love most glorious the thing in the world. What's your favorite yeah. pinball machine of all time? What was it? Hi- hi- high speed? It was the one that had like an engine in the center and you could fire the ball into like a oh, supercharger yeah. and it go around in a circle. Well, I, I, I don't remember yeah, the name of that R- one. I want to say RPM? Or maybe that was just one of,
0: the, one of the power-ups. I don't know. I'm, I'm big into Attack from Mars, Medieval Madness, um, and for whatever reason... Um, Tales of uh, the Arabian Nights is, I just, I adore that machine. It's, it's, it's simpler and easier than a lot of other machines, but damn, if it's not, just always fun. The,
1: the, the one I'm thinking about, it was uh, at my local drugstore, and it was the only one within walking distance, so I played it a lot. That's why it's my favorite. I didn't li- live near an arcade, which is sad. High speed? Now I need to know. What year was it? I don't know. I was young. No, it wasn't high-speed. Oh.
0: Check um the Getaway or Viper Night Driving. Those were car-themed from the mid-'90s. There was also a Corvette one, if I recall correctly. That was um a Bally machine.
1: W- was it, like, race car-themed or, like... I just remember it had, like, a supercharger on the top, and your ball would spin around it if you knocked it up in there, and it was awesome. And it was black. <laughs> I don't remember. I can, Like, I can, picture, I can picture it in my oh, head, but I, I, think can't, it's a I Willi- can't. I think it was a Williams machine. I think that was the getaway yes yes it was yeah 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 there's the supercharger thing yeah, yeah. that's it the getaway i was i was yeah. just looking for pictures of the of the of the tabletop and yeah oh yeah oh it was so good jonathan it was so good um i was also very fond of the adams family one uh just because i had a mad crush on wednesday adams at the time oh dude adams family is
0: a classic man that's a, like t- that's a phenomenal table
1: yeah. And then uh, it was terrible, but I always liked it. Uh, uh, there was this weird arcade up in Big Bear um, that had the world's largest pinball game. And it was just it was it was kind of laughably huge. Like it made me feel like I was five years old playing a pinball game. And the uh, the balls were not metal. I think they were ceramic or something, but they were like the size of tennis balls. And I It was a terrible thing, but it always amused me playing it just because it was so stupid and gimmicky, you know? It's like, it's like it was like a bad movie of pinball machines if that makes any sense.
0: Uh, I remember I remember that getaway machine it was it, it broke a lot like there was just too much going on.
1: yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that a lot. So anyway, sorry about the pinball side. Uh, um never that game ever feels like that apologize for
0: a pinball thing. Also if you ever want to dive into pinball um on PlayStation. 2 and 3, I think it was, there was an an excellent, amazing collection of um, classic Williams and uh, Bally games that was released,
1: and it was just so good. Like, the physics were so perfect. Super skill pinball feels like playing pinball. It's it's really good. Uh, We'll probably do a deep dive of it, I'm sure, because, yeah, but the basics of it are you roll two dice, and uh, based off of the position of the ball on the board, you knock stuff down it get points and so like every time you roll those freaking dice you're like checking off points and you're doing and and, and it's just very manic and a couple times when we we're playing like i was getting so excited i was rolling the dice too fast because ray was, <laughs> I was i i ray was thinking slightly longer than i was and i was like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry I, you know because i got all excited um and you don't it's not the sum of the two dice you just pick one of the two dice so if it rolls like a, a six and a four you can either knock down something on your board that's a four or a six it's really easy but it's it's so so frantic and fun and good times and the way they do multi-ball is very very uh clever it basically you have to use both dice uh so if you use the four for one of the balls you have to use the six for the other you know so it's that's uh, cool it's it's very interesting and then the different uh, we played two of the boards one of them was just basic it was carnival themed it had a clown on it so i guess it was actually horror themed uh the second one was cyberpunk themed (laughs) tracks Waka waka. The second one was cyberpunk themed, and so if you hit your ball, like, uh, I guess for all intents and purposes, it was one of those pinball machines that had, like, a, another board under the board. You know how some of them had that, where it was, like, a super secret thing that you could knock your ball into below it? There were a few that had those gimmicky things. Anyway, you could do, like, a, it was a cyberpunk one, so you'd do a run on a corporation, and you'd be rolling the dice, and basically, you could leave that board at any time, um, but... you. You'd roll the two dice. So again, let's say we you rolled the six and the four. So the six and the four would equal 10 points down there. And so you'd start tracking it. And then for every, you know, run points, like every, it it, it expands over time. But I think it starts at like for every seven, you'd get five points and then it eventually goes to every eight. And then if you get the full thing of points, which was like a hundred, I think it automatically ends and you get like 20 bonus points or something like that. It's, it's really easy, but they, they start running a trace on you, Jonathan, they start running a trace. The corporation's out to get you. And basically, uh, on that four and the six, the difference between those two numbers is two. So then you'd put two down on the trace. And so it's just like push and pull. Do you leave, you know? And, and, um, one of the things you can earn on the board are these little lightning bolt icons. I forget what they represented, but, um, you could spend them to just skip a roll. So like sometimes it'd be like oh I got that you know if like if you got a six and a one that would be five trace so you like want to skip that you know and it's it's like it ah is it good it's really good uh, I I was I was really impressed like how how it just I I got that pinball vibe by just playing it it was it was it was really good so highly recommend it's one of those it's one of those easy games and and uh, get your dry erase erasers because man do those boards get really really greasy with old dry erase <laughs> <from> fast. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, highly recommend that one.
0: Briefly, I will just say that I played uh, a lot of Ankh in the last couple weeks, um, and uh, that was mostly prepping for our deep dive today, so I won't go into too much detail there. But you and I have been playing Welcome To again.
1: That last game was so fracking annoying. God, I couldn't get a break, uh, especially at the end. I know, I I know. so So I was like... So I was like, the, the things I like to do, I couldn't do. So I was doing this thing I don't like doing for a while. And then the, and then the board's like, oh, hey, that thing you want to do? How about we start letting you do that instead? And I'm like, fine, I'll switch. And then it's like, no, we're going to do this third thing now. And it was like, like, I couldn't get any plan rolling, you know, because I just wasn't, at some point, like I'd get two or three things I needed for the plan and then it would just switch gears and I, I couldn't get anything I needed. And it was like, oh, why does this game hate me so much today? And I was like that with everybody. Everybody was kind of complaining about that game.
0: Yeah, that was just a rough one. Like, there was no rhyme or reason to the way things were coming out, and it was just a bad tempo. Like, it was just a bad shuffle, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, What else have I been playing? Um, uh, I I, I whipped out Potion Explosion recently. I did, too! Nice! Potion Explosion is dope. I love that game so much.
1: Yeah, I played it at Ray's with... At least one of his kids, one of his younger kids, if I remember correctly.
0: The, the physical version of that game is such a friggin' treat.
1: It is. It is. It's, it's so very, satisfying
0: um, to hear those those marbles click. It's just supremely satisfying, and I, I just I love the gameplay. And
1: when you get like a really good combo, you know, oh, and you pull a that bunch feels of marbles. So that's good. That's, oh, that feels so, so good. good.
0: That is just that's like so I said, good. satisfying.
1: Yeah, satisfying is a very good word to describe that game. Uh, yeah, no, that that continues to be a crowd pleaser, and I, I still like the expansion. I, I kind of missed it when we played without it. The, uh, the the wild card marbles were fun. Did I tell you I got that game at the perfect time, by the way? That I decided to get it at the perfect time? No, why is that? Because it got discontinued? Well, yeah, so so uh, the, the company that makes it is called uh, Horrible Guild Games, right? But their original name was Horrible Games. And at some point, they decided that was a bad name for their game studio. Can't Who imagine why. Thought? Can't imagine why. <laughs> I found the irony of that uh, company name, kind of, kind of funny, but whatever. Um, so, uh, and and they had a deal with Simon, I think, but then they they stopped doing it with Simon, or I don't know what happened. So basically, they they were sitting on a bunch of Potion Explosion that had their old name and Simon attached to it, and they wanted to do a new printing with their name and whoever their new partner was to help uh, distribute it, right? And so they marked down their stuff to like half off. And it was only through distributors. So when I went to it, I went to a Rune and board and, uh, my, my local game store and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to get potion explosion. Um, and they didn't have it. I'm like, can you order it? And, uh, and the guy who runs that store, you know, we, we've, uh, I, I've given him some old stuff from my old store and stuff. And we chit we chat about the business. He, he, he likes it when I come in because he can bitch about things and I understand, I understand. <laughs> the business. So he, he has a very good time bitching to me. Um, even more so than his employees, you know, cause I, you know, we, we were both owners or he's an owner and I, I used to be. Uh, yeah. So he saw it and he's like, Oh my God, that game's like, they're, they're blowing it out. And so he ended up getting like a case of the expansion and the base game for the store. And, and as thanks for like, you know, l- making him check and him getting a really good deal on that game so he could sell it in his store. Uh, he just, he, he gave me my copy, uh, Uh, I, I think he, I, I, I forget, I, I, he might've given it to me for cost, but he gave it to me like super duper cheap. And I was like, Oh, sweet. Thanks, man. (laughs) That was nice. Yeah. So that's that's not so bad. No, no. Yeah. Hey man, that was the most expensive discount I earned. I earned that discount. (laughs) Owning a game store was expensive. Oh my God. God, we're, we're just chatting. We're like barely into this thing. All right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, we went over to the grandparents' house, so we played Camel Up. Camel Up continues to be Camel Up, and it's amazing. Um, and then Ray, Ray showed me two other games, and I forgot the name of one. I'm sorry, Ray. It was farming themed, which doesn't help at all. But he showed me another one called Innovation, um, or Innovation. Innovation. Have you ever heard of Innovation? That sounds really. Hold on. I would describe it, and pardon me if you like this game, but I would describe it as a non-flux. Like that's that's kind of how it feels to me uh
0: oh i i have played this once and i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a lot
1: not not (laughs) flux though is that is that an accurate description that's
0: fair that's fair
1: yeah yeah that you 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 know who made that right no i do not
0: that that's that's carl chudik that's um he's glory to rome and like that
1: guy's legend oh nice and don't get me wrong, flux. I I like flux for what it is, which is it's a random game. But it has there's it's a game in a very loose sense of the word because it's very random. Whereas innovation is not random. Like there, you can actually do some strategy, and there are choices to make, and it, it feels, you know, that's the game what makes
0: just doesn't it doesn't suddenly end. You know, better than flux is is the fact that there are choices, and and your actions have more pertinence.
1: Yes, yes. So. Yeah, no, I was I was actually very pleasantly surprised by that game. That was one of those games I uh, I don't know if I'd buy it for myself. I'm I'm I but then again I don't if I saw a good deal on it I don't I think I'd get it. So I don't know, but um I definitely I definitely want to play it again. In fact, we're playing it on Board Game Arena right now. It's just we didn't invite everybody because the more people you invite, the more crazy things get. Because there's a lot of mechanics that like you know if if you have more of a symbol than I do, you get to do it too. And so you know if we had five people taking turns, and that would be a nightmare. Because, like, you know, we'd be waiting on one person to do the one thing because they get the option to, you know, and it would it would just be a pain in the ass. No, oh, I get that. You know what, what I'm saying? That. Okay, I'm done. Go. What, what have you done? Uh, a couple more. Um,
0: uh, I took my copy of Jaipur with me uh, on a work trip and introduced a couple of my co um, uh, coworkers to it and Jaipur just continues to deliver. Like, that game is just so solid and so much fun and it's it, it never gets old to me. I've played that game probably a thousand times at this point, And like, I'm still totally into it and I love it. I should try that game. Uh, I, think really like I think you'd really like it. I think you'd really like it. It's, it's randomness with, um, mated with purpose and decision-making, just like you said. And, and there's, uh, definitely a risk and reward element to it, uh, which is great. And there's also a, um, a really neat mechanic with the camels. Like I don't know. Like if you want me to teach it to you, uh, check and see if it's on Board Game Geek. I'll, I'll teach it to you. I think you. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. But it's it's basically a game about trading spices, and um, the the camel mechanic is it's genuinely interesting. I don't I don't know that I've seen many games that have borrowed it either, which is a pity because it's a great mechanic. Uh, and then I also um, when I. Uh, when I got back from one of my trips, uh, a buddy of mine reached out and he'd he'd heard our episode where we were talking about Undaunted, and he was kind of interested in it. So I grabbed my copy of Undaunted, and uh, we met for for lunch, and I taught it to him. And oh, god, that game is so much fun! We need to play that one more too. I, I have I just am continue to be impressed with Undaunted's um, depth, considering the simplicity of its mechanics, and and also how accurately it scratches that tactical feel that you get from a miniatures game uh, with cards and chits. And that's amazing.
1: Board Graham Arena does have Jaipur, by the way. It'll it, it, oh, Start a game up, man. I can't. I'm not a subscriber. <laughs> Hold, please.
0: Okay, I took my turn first. So it's your turn. Uh, let me know if you have any questions about how all the mechanics work because I love this frigging game.
1: I will let you know. I'll try to remember to watch a video of it
0: tonight. It, you can learn it in under 10 minutes, but there's there's so much mastery to the thought process. Then I played uh, some Marvel United with my older kids when we got back from uh, Washington, D.C. and New York, which was great. Uh, and that game continues to deliver. The X-Men version is dope. Like, I am really enjoying the additions that the X-Men characters bring. Uh, and especially some of the X-Men um, scenario-based expansions. They're fantastic. And then, uh, also, uh, this is not something I've played, but you know me. Uh, Dune Watch, 2023. <laughs> we are in full swing. Seamon of all people is bringing out a Dune game, so I fully expect to be uh, hemorrhaging money at that uh, later this year. I, I just, if you happen to see when the Kickstarter is going to launch, do me a solid. Let me know. I have no control when it comes to Dune. And Dune board games so far have been nothing
1: but amazing. I have yet to play a crappy one. So yeah, Dune Watch 2023, folks. Speaking of Ray, Ray was very nice and let you know about that over on the Discord, which you never responded to. But I let him know that you already knew and you were bitching to me a little bit because uh, you might have to sell some stuff to make more space on your shelf for that.
0: Well, I mean, I, at this point, that's 100% guaranteed. I, 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 at, I, At this point, with the collection being what it is, I have a strict one-in-one-out policy. And unfortunately... With CMON games, it's generally like one in and like five out because they take up a lot of room. But also those expansions have impact. So I'm, I'm so far OK with it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I do not know, by the way, off the top of my head, if this uses the film license or the book license, because um,
1: that is a distinct difference between a lot of these products. True that. All right. Movies and TV. We've been... Talking for a while, movies, and this was the short one. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk briefly about all the things that I can't talk too much about because you haven't watched it yet. Okay, I'm getting
0: there. I'm getting there. I I It's it's a problem. Star Trek:
1: Strange New Worlds needs to be freaking higher on your list. That show was really good, like real, real good. It's it's the best Trek Trek show I've seen in 20 years. Um, as soon as I am done with Umbrella Academy, which I'm watching with my wife, so
0: like that's the thing. That's the reason I got it got bumped up.
1: Okay, so Jonathan, to use to use your own words against you, uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds uh, is to the original series and the original pilot, The Cage, uh, what Rogue One was to the Star Trek or Star Wars original trilogy. Oh god, damn it! Stop making me salivate. Um, It's doing a really good job of setting up stuff that uh, was kind of underutilized and underserved in the original Uh. series, like. For example, uh, me and the wife went back and watched uh, the Menagerie parts one and two from the original series because, you know, that's the episode where Spock hijacks the Enterprise and takes, you know, disfigured Captain Pike to uh, to uh, Epsilon or Talos Talos four I think it's Talos four. And uh, and we did that because like, okay so like watching that episode, because I I, I did Trek in chronological order a couple of years ago now Um, watching that episode. It's really weird because we we've never heard of this Pike character before. And all of a sudden, like, you know, they just sort of like say out loud that Spock is very loyal to him and you don't understand why. And they don't really give you a reason why in that episode. They just basically they're like, we need to have a clip show because we filmed this other pilot that we didn't use. So we're going to use this footage. Damn it. But, yeah, no, so, like, the show's doing a real good job of showing, like, why Spock and Pike are, or, like, why Spike, uh, Spock would do that. It's doing a really good job of setting that up. Say no more. And just a lot of um, uh, uh, the the fiancé from Amok Time that Spock had that dumped him for that other guy. Like the fiance is a major character and they're setting that up about why that happened and and their relationship and stuff. It's really it's like what a prequel should be doing, which is just adding context to things, especially, you know, like old Star Trek things that they just didn't write very well the first go around. But putting a little extra context in there and it's nice because they're remaining faithful to canon while, you know, trying to give us, you know, more dare I say modern or better character reasons for some of these things to happen. Oh, uh, you're yeah. killing me. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It is a good show. And and the best part, Jonathan, the best part is, OK, so like, like, think of all of our other captains. Right. So Kirk was kind of like the the swagger, you know, kind of kind of captain. You know, he was he was the, you know, leap before you look kind of captain. And we had Jean-Luc, who was the ambassador. And we had uh, Spencer for hire. Captain, you know, oh uh, man,
0: uh, dude, I love me some Cisco, baby. Like, Cisco, legit.
1: <laughs> and then we had, uh you know, the prime directive means nothing to me, bitches. Janeway, dude, you, you, I, I saw a meme the other day. It was like, which
0: captain would you choose to survive? And that
1: was a TikTok, and I watched, I watched oh, that one right. too. Yes, it was
0: a TikTok. <laughs> I, 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 I chose, I choose Janeway. And, and you know what? The guy,
1: they have a point. They have a point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, legitimately, yeah, that is I, I how you're gonna live. So we have all those do you know what Pike is? You know what Pike is? Pike is the dad captain. He makes bad punny dad jokes and uh and and he's a little goofy, like like a good dad is. It I is mean, I'm, I'm okay kind with of awesome and hilarious. Oh, it's so good, Jonathan. Like, oh if you liked him in season two of Discovery, he is so much better when he's running his own boat and like knows everybody. Dude, he was the best part of, of of
0: season two of Discovery.
1: Yeah. Okay. So take everything that you think about Pike from season two of discovery and multiply it by 10 because it's that much better. It is so good. It is so good. Stop. You're making me salivate. And the best part is like that, that whole setup in discovery where he knows how he knows what's coming, right? He knows what's coming. He knows about the chair. Like he, he, he saw it. Right. That is like a key part of his character, you know, of, of the entire series is like him grappling with the notion of basically he knows how he's going to die exactly and when, And and it comes up a lot. And and how, you know, like, how do you deal with that, you know, and, and him grappling with that and, and him leaning on his friends for support. And oh, it's so good, Jonathan. It's so good. You should watch it. Uh, tell me no more. We watched Miss Marvel. Uh, Miss Marvel was fascinating. It was a show not aimed at me at all, uh, in any way whatsoever. It's it's very much a show about uh, what it's like to be a brown uh, girl living in in New, in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, the first generation being born in America, whose parents don't really understand you and all that. It's uh, it, it is not aimed at me. It was very interesting though, and, and quite good. I enjoyed it. Can I just go on record as saying whatever these these clowns that are hating on that
0: show um, are, I don't know. Can we reverse gatekeep where we basically tell the
1: clowns to f uh, off? Yeah, honestly, it's it's not it's a teen show. It feels a lot more like a Disney like teen show. Oh no than no! I'm talking Marvel about Marvel
0: jackasses that are complaining about how woke it is.
1: But Miss <sighs> Marvel's a ten year old comic book character, and and it's not string far from the source material. So they can shut the hell up. I don't know. I I really enjoyed it. I I you know is it aimed at me did i have to do a little research was it you know cuz cuz a, a surprising part of that has to deal with partition in india back in the day i i knew very little about it in fact all i knew about it was what i watched on doctor who a season before so i don't know but you know, but it's not that show's not for you. It's for girls. You know, it's for tweens. It's a tween superhero it's show. Fine. If you're it not does, a tween it girl,
0: shut up. <laughs> need to be for you to appreciate it. And and it.
1: Well, and here's the thing: it, it's it, it's not for you. If you didn't like it, oh well. You know, it's not. You're not the audience it wants, and that's fine. If the Marvel universe is big and broad, and it can, can accommodate a lot of different type of storytelling, it can accommodate a six episode TV series about a, a, a tween girl coming to grips with superpowers. Like, it's fine. You know? Like, let let the tween girls have that. It's fine. It doesn't take anything away from you. You know? You've still got all of this stuff. All of this stuff. There's a big old mountain of it. Like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't even know what the ne- next Marvel TV show is, but I'm I'm sure it'll be fine. You know? And if it was just all the same thing all the time, it'd be really boring. It'd be real boring. Anyway, Uh, Oh, you did watch the, uh, or you are watching the Umbrella Academy. I finished it. No, 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 I haven't started
0: anything yet. Um, It's, it's, what I'm saying is like, I have not watched it at all, um, but it's high on my list because now that I'm home, it's a show that my wife and I watch together. And those are rare because she has this deep seated love of really bad reality TV that makes me want to vomit. And so I don't watch those. And it's very atypical that she's into the show like she is. Like, that, that, that show should yeah, not... It's, it's a very atypical show, so I get but, it. But, like, that should not resonate with her. Like, that's just not what she's into. You know what I mean?
1: I know what you mean. Okay, so it's not the strongest season. I don't think it's the weakest season. It's all right. Um, it could have been better. It could have been worse. Uh, about my only... The only flaw in it is uh, their music selection. Nothing really grabbed me. Like, the last couple of seasons where I hear something I've never heard before, and I'm like, oh, what is this song? I have to look it up. i That did not happen to me at all this season, so... That's my only complaint about it. And then uh I I still need to watch a couple episodes it's been hard but I've been slowly making my way through The Kids in the Hall Revival which uh has been interesting. Much like Normal Kids in the Hall, it's very hit and miss, but watching like old guys do edgy humor uh is weird, you know? Like cuz they're still edgy, but like they're not like those asshats who are like Oh, everything's so woke now, and I can't make jokes that are funny anymore because I'll get canceled. Like they're no, they just you know, it's evolved like, their humor. God forbid. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So watching like modern edgy old man humor because there's like a lot of humor aimed at like being a grandparent. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's good. Like when it when it hits, it hits real good. Uh, much better than their average because in the old show it was it was very hit and miss, and this is it's more on than off, and it's it's much more by episode. Like there's. Been one episode, and it's the same episode that Brendan didn't like—the one with Francesca Fiore. That one was not that great. There was another one that wasn't that great, but then the other ones when they hit, they're, they're hitting pretty good. Like it's, it's pretty good. So I've been enjoying that, and I'm done. Okay, go. Oh, Eraser is this? Is this a short movie with the rail guns? Yes. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it appeared. Oh! It appeared randomly on
0: Netflix, and the other night I was just sitting there, and you know how sometimes you just don't have. You just don't have the 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 ability to to do anything or engage with anything. And you just want to watch something stupid. So, like Netflix is like, hey, look what we have. I was like, oh man, that's 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 the perfect headspace for me. And James Con had just passed, and I was like, oh, James Jimmy Con's in there. Like, what what a perfect
1: way to say goodbye, you know. Because I
0: was a little bummed out about that.
1: Not, not one of his good movies like The Godfather or Misery. No, you, you, you shut your mouth, okay? Jimmy <laughs> Kahn doesn't make bad movies. I didn't shut say shut your mouth,
0: sir. So I, I didn't watched say Eraser was it, and, bad. And let me just say, let me say, is it good? No. Did I have a great time? <laughs> yes. Does it hold up surprisingly well? Yes. Much better than I expected it to. I thought it was going to be an absolute crap crap shoot. And I ended up getting a reasonably competent movie. It straddles this weird space in between, like, like it's an evolutionary movie because it's got all the tropes of the 80s. Like, you remember 80s movies like Die Hard where the cinematography was all like, let's make the lights light bloom on the lens. And, And there was like a certain look to them, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it has that big bombastic score, like a Michael Kamen score. There's a very clear horn-driven theme every time um the main character shows up, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I hear, but you. I hear you. then there's all these like oddly modern sensibilities in it. It's a transition movie. It's like not it doesn't belong in the 80s and it doesn't belong in in kind of modern cinema either. It's just strangely transitionary
1: and it's a very awkward all right all right all right say no more you, color me intrigued I, I've but, been but wanting it's to watch still that got the catchphrases
0: movie. and stuff I, I, like, I know it, I it hate still hate. got
1: Arnold uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan put a cork in it I'll, I, I, I want to watch it speaking of which I forgot I forgot I watched this you know what I watched while we were gone too speaking of Schwarzenegger and bad movies I watched total recall baby
0: oh <laughs> damn you to hell <laughs>
1: What's it on? I'm going to watch it. Uh,
0: uh, you you text me when you're watching Eraser, and I'm going to go and watch Total Recall. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, get Done deal. Done deal.
1: <laughs> I'm into this. I, I, I think this is a fabulous experiment. That movie is so bizarre. I love it's like what it's like reading the old cyberpunk role playing game where it's kind of interesting what they get right about the future and what they get wrong, you know, because like, hey, I'm a Johnny cab, like, you know, autonomous self-driving cabs like, okay, like we're working on that. That's that's the future. But we're like 15 minutes away from those. But I don't think they'd have like (laughs) animatronic up front that would give you nightmares like five, five nights at Freddy's, you know, like, (laughs) no, (laughs) I don't think we're going to do that. But but you have
0: to remember this is from the time they gave us Chuck E. Cheese, so that all kind of tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then um, you know it's the future, but they have newspapers still. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot.
0: <laughs> dude, it, it, it creeps me out. Like, I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day about how how much Star Trek has gotten right, and like, I, I was like, dude, just go watch any episode of of Next Generation, and you're like. Oh man, they nailed the hell out of that iPad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Except you know they would give you like five iPads. Like here, here's five books, and they'd give you five iPads. But whatever, we'll ignore that for a sec. Y- you know what? They got more right than wrong. That's true. That's true. All right. So okay, we got our, our crappy Schwarzenegger quote. Oh, I'm really excited.
0: <laughs> oh, it's been a long time. I want since to watch watched Total Recall. Like, I'm genuinely excited. Paul Verhoeven,
1: man, what, what a, what a Oh God! What a, what a gem! What a gem! Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a crappy '80s action movie I can introduce my boys to because we we uh, oh, the but you, were the ladies were. You can't because I know all I know boobs and like mega violence. I know, I know, I know. It's very sad. You know what? And <laughs> you know what occurred to me. So while while we're at camp, one of the camp counselors was like, "You should dress those two up as Ghostbusters. That'd be super cute for Halloween." And I was sitting there, I was thinking about it, I'm like. I'm relatively sure I had seen Ghostbusters by the time I was their age, oh, and I'm like, dude, I would not show that to them. I, I was trying to explain to my kids like what a magical
0: time <laughs> the 80s were, and like my dad took me to see freaking RoboCop, the in in the movie theaters. And let's see, that was what 87, 88.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, and I was trying to explain to my to to uh, my my pa's like how weird the 80s were. It's like, hey. Here's this rated R action movie that's incredibly violent. Yeah, eighty seven. Why don't we make a kid show? (laughs) Why don't we make a kid show out of it? So they they made kid shows out of Rambo and Robocop and sold toys. Dude, they they, they made. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you know, in eighty seven, I was nine when I saw that movie in theaters.
1: Nine. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a whole section with hookers and cocaine. Yeah, I think I was. I, i'm pretty sure i saw it relatively soon when it came out in home video but they they used to wait longer back in the day so i was probably i was probably eight or nine two when i saw it for the first time
0: uh. the 80s were weird man and like as a parent now i look back and i'm like holy crap like what was my dad thinking
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah but at the same right, time right. that was just life back
1: then yeah yeah anyway anyway we've, we've talked about this before move on move on what else have you watched Oh man. Now I'm really excited about Paul Verhoeven.
0: Um where the hell was I? Oh, what have I watched? Okay. So yeah, Eraser. Um I too watch Stranger Things for the thing that I keep getting blown away by is how everything exists for a reason in Stranger Things. Like they've been setting up Vecna since season one. Remember when um Will's mm-hmm. on his bike and he falls? That's Vecna's shadow, not the 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 um the Demogorgon. Yeah, not the Demogorgon. It, that that's Vecna's shadow. Like they've been setting everything up. Like every all these tiny little details are all there to give you a payoff when they finally get to to season four. Like that's amazing. That's amazing. Like mm-hmm. this, that show's so well written.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This one, this season's a little less off the rails because I I didn't buy the the Russian military base. I yeah, we've had this discussion. Uh, I, like, I think I, I don't think we. I had a great. I don't time think we could spoil it though. Yeah, it's been too soon. But yeah, I I I agree. I agree. I, I don't want and, to spoil it. I'll, I'll I'll say that Eddie um totally resonated with me and had the most metal concert ever. Oh my god. That was like so the metal. most metal thing. So, yeah. Metal. I, oh, oh my god. John, Jonathan, uh, so have you heard uh Metallica is actually a very big fan of Stranger Things and so like on dude, their they they had like a whole video <laughs>
0: uh, where they were yeah. uh, we playing it with uh Hellfire Club shirts on.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're such nerds. It's awesome. It totally pleased me. <laughs> yes, it did. It pleased me too. Pleased and I'm not a even a Metallica <laughs> fan. I, I've I've
0: never been a huge Metallica fan. And and they like, I was sitting there watching that video. And I'm like, you know what? I might not be the biggest fan of you guys, but I respect the hell out of you for that. <laughs> well done, Metallica. Well done. All right, yeah, all right. We and, can't talk about like, that. It's too and, and, soon. It's and, too yeah, soon. too soon. I will just say there's a couple moments in there. I I like, I like, was absolutely emotionally gutted. And like Hopper, man, like Hopper just, I don't know if it's because of the age that I am or that, that I've got kids or what, but like Hopper, man, Hopper hits me in the feels every damn time, every damn mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm and mm-hmm. it's it's never cheap it's always earned D- does that make sense that makes sense oh man so much of the crap on tv like they go after the feels but it's 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 not earned and it it cheapens the impact and it's like no you're just trying to emotionally manipulate me
1: you know what you know what it is it's the it's stranger things and much like stranger new worlds uh they're playing like the long game you know yeah like they're, they're comfortable enough, especially after, you know, their first season where they were like a phenomenon and they realized they could pretty much get exactly what they wanted. They realized that they could play the long game on all this stuff and 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 they're playing it real well. And and yeah, in Star Trek, Stranger Worlds is doing the same thing like they I'm, I'm pretty sure they know they they're, they're going to get at least two or three seasons. So them like. Yeah, setting up the emotional stuff. So uh, so it oddly pays off in a, sh- a TV show from the 1960s, uh, you know, <laughs> when you go back and watch Menagerie or The Cage or, you know, Amok a- a Time or whatever. Like, it's it's really good. That's good TV when you, ha- when you have the space. And that's what's kind of crappy about, you know, like a lot of the stuff these days, especially streaming where you get like two seasons and you're done. Because if it's not a phenomenon, then they're just not going to give you any more time because like, yeah, it's like. Oh, you- we're going to be talking about that real soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Hear, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Move on. Move on. What's, what's next? Speaking of
0: stuff that hits you right in the field. Uh, well, okay. Before I talk about that, uh, Halo ended, ended on a high. It ended on a high. It stuck to landing. I take back all the negative things that I thought and said about it based on the first couple of episodes. Is it perfect? No, there's some wasted storylines that really should have been trimmed that would have made the end product better. Um, it definitely spends the first half of the season trying to figure itself out and once it does it's decent i'm very interested to see where it goes um i was surprised that it managed to um do as much good as it did based on, Is on it like, the uh, weakness of the the initial first you know couple episodes
1: it, 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 so you're saying it's like kind of like those early odd superheroes where the first movie like Spider-Man or X-Men were kind of a mess because they had way too much story to tell. But then when they have more room to breathe in their sequel, they, they maybe will get it right. So Halo season two will have a, a better opportunity to be what it wants to be in season yes, two.
0: Absolutely. Okay. I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think that they did a really good job building universe in positive ways. And I think it's going to pay off in the long game. And, and honestly, like, I guess this is a good, as good a time as any to introduce The fact that, like, this new model of television has been really positive for storytelling because unhooking it from commercials and the necessity for breaks and the necessity for a set amount of time per episode has been the best thing to happen to TV stories ever. Like, Stranger Things is a perfect example. The last episode of season four is like movie length, it's two hours. It's two and a half hours. Yeah. And not a single minute of that episode is wasted.
1: No. And there is no, no
0: fluff. Like, in that entire, actually, I would say in the entirety of the the season, there's no fluff. Like, that thing is always on the move. Something's always happening. Something's always changing. And it could not have been done on, on factory TV, you know? Uh, talking about feels, let's talk Obi-Wan for a moment. A no spoilers. Obi-Wan discussion because uh, it's still relatively fresh. Obi-Wan. Wow.
1: Holy oh, no, wow. dude. Oh, dude. You and I had different experiences. Obi-Wan was a mess. Oh, and then they man. Stuck the I landing. loved it. Oh, no, man. They Obi-Wan was a mess. And then they stuck the landing. Like the last episode is real good. Like, like real, real good. Like, why did they have the previous five episodes good? <laughs> they could have just released that. and It would have been fine. I would have been happy. But yeah, the last two episodes of it were really good. Like, like, it was really nice to see Hayden Christensen. Like, you know, they, they, Didn't they have a flashback. did it just like he was having a great friggin' time? Yeah. And you know what? That, that helped
0: too. Like, um. Like everybody felt like they were having a good time. Even in the emotional yeah, no, that, moments, you could just tell they were happy to be there and happy to be back in those characters and happy to be doing something they love with the people that they enjoy being with.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it was really, it was nice. I, I, I will agree with that. And Hayden Gritchison looked like, yeah, he looked like he was having fun. Like he, yeah, he wanted to be there. He wanted to do what he was doing there. And it was, it was cool that he was in the Vader costume the whole time, too. That was a really good idea. You know? Yeah. We can't talk about that. It's we'll too we'll soon, discuss but. in greater length once we get a little further away from spoiler territory. Um, okay. So this next one, I, I don't know if I want to see it or not, but you no spoilers. should. Absolutely. It is jaw droppingly good. The, I, is this enjoyed- the one rolling? what is this the one with the james brolin yes yes the one? outer yeah, range okay.
0: with james brolin and lily tomlin it is an acting tour de force it is a genuinely interesting science fiction story that doesn't delve into the sciencey part to the point where you're you're like caught up in the gobbledygook you know what i mean
1: okay say tomorrow say tomorrow
0: move on move on all right yeah, I, yeah, yeah it's on my I, list the, the the my my only fear, my only fear is that not enough people are watching it and we're not going to get to continue it. That's that's my fear. Uh, D- you know, based okay. on what well, you said earlier. All right. All right. Um I watched Reacher right. on Amazon Prime.
1: <laughs> I've heard I've heard things. I've heard things.
0: I watched Reacher on
1: Amazon Prime.
0: All right. <laughs> <Positive> <laughs> that sounds podcast. like the things I've
1: heard. There you I go. Look mean like, on.
0: Look man, oh. I, I watched it I watched it to the end. There's some moments that I enjoyed. That character is stupid, makes no sense, and like I have no interest in reading those books because like that character is so dumb and I don't mean from like an intelligence standpoint. Just it's just poorly written.
1: But Illumin face the music. You finally and, saw it.
0: Yes. I finally had a chance to sit down and watch it and I enjoyed it. I thought it was
1: a Did really that movie just secret. just whack you right in the dad? Like, yes. <laughs> like really hard? Oh, man. Really it hard. Like,
0: it was like speed bagging my dad, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Just constant. Oh, man. And, and what a love letter to those characters. And what a love letter to to George Carlin in an interesting way. And just, oh, man, that I just, I had a great time watching it. I was damn near sobbing sometimes and
1: just, it was perfect. It was, it was a great, great movie. I really enjoyed it. And speaking of uh, two people who were obviously incredibly happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No kidding, man. (laughs) Like that entire movie, I just felt like they were, they were playing and having a good time. Like, you know, like, Hey, Oh man, I haven't seen you in 20 years, but let's just pick up where we left off because we're those kind of bros, you know? (laughs)
1: they're they're friends from what i understand like they they oh god obviously obviously
0: but like it was like stepping back into those characters i felt like i was putting on my favorite pair of comfy pants and like i was like oh man like i'm i'm in my happy place and and it 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 updates everything in a very pertinent and respectful way yeah i i I loved it i love what what a perfect way to cap the Bill and Ted franchise.
1: Yeah. It's a shame COVID kind of robbed it of hopefully some of the, the praise yeah, it or, really is or whatever you want to say. It,
0: it, COVID was it, that, that is definitely a, got lost in the COVID shuffle. And a, that is an absolute pity because that movie deserved so much more love than it was given.
1: Yeah. And I loved, I love the two ladies playing their daughters. Oh my God. Like they, they were, were hilarious. they were amazing. They were just it, perfect. <laughs> And they Um, were also obviously having a good time, too. Yeah. (laughs) It was really obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally
0: be content, as long as the creative team was the same, uh, with a sequel focusing just on them without even Bill and Ted in it. I would totally watch their excellent adventures. They were phenomenal. (laughs) Um, All right. Forged in Fire. Okay, yeah. So there's this weird show. It's called Forged in Fire. It's on the History Channel. And basically, they bring in four blacksmiths. And then they give them three hours to make a blade. And then they eliminate one of them. And then they give them two hours to, like, clean up the blade and make a handle and stuff. And then the last two remaining people are shown a historical weapon. uh, And then they have to go and recreate one. And then they, like, torture the living daylights out of these weapons that these guys are forging. And it's just, it's great TV, man. I'm having a great time. And it really kind of scratches this weird history itch. And they have a bunch of those ballistics dummies, and you you really get a chance to see what a bladed weapon would do to a body. Like it it makes, it makes like movies have more impact because you're like, oh man, that that blade would wreck the living daylights out of that dude. So yeah, um, highly suggest it if you like history, or if you like you know like building things. Like I totally want to be a blacksmith now. I think that'd be fabulous. And then <laughs> alone has returned. I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, new season got posted on Netflix. Ten people out in the wilderness. They're surviving and just it's it's interesting, especially watching them like slide down the psychological rabbit hole of being completely cut off from humanity for, you know, months on end. It's it's fascinating to watch how their, their psyche evolves. And then because I'm All right. a giant F one fan, um, F one season this year has been phenomenal. Austria and Silverstone uh, in the UK were just absolute banger races. This is the best year for Formula One since I would say 98 through 2002, like those four seasons. This is This, wow. is, this is the best Formula One has been in a long time. This season is amazing. And it's, it's reminded me that I need to go back and pay some respects. Um, so I'm, I started watching all the formula one seasons in order from 2010 through 2022, because I have a subscription to F one TV and they have this beautiful archive of older races and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, I'm going to utilize the living daylights out of the subscription and enjoy it. All right. Yeah. I watched the entire 2010 um, season and I am finishing up the Hungarian grand Prix in 2011. And even though I know who wins, I don't care. Like I'm just, you, it's, it's interesting to go back and see the reason that the rules have evolved to where we are now. Like it's, it's fascinating. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment. Part one, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, it'll be time for part two, where we will cover books and video games. And I think that's just about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back.
1: Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of
0: the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for the second part of our two-part off-the-shelf segment. Let's just dive right in. Um, this is going to be a little quick in the first section because we haven't done as much. You've done a whole lot more reading than I have. Uh, I've played a lot more video games than you have. So
1: let's start with books, Robert. What have you been reading? Should we start with the one that we both read that we finally need to have a talk about? Ah, uh, Phenomena. Oh, yes, you finally read Phenomena.
0: Yes, I'm I down. did. A wh- let's a while do it. Ago.
1: <clears throat> a while ago. All right, all right. I don't know where to begin. That book was a weird read. So I, I used to be really into a uh, elliptony, conspiracy theory. Man, that book made me rethink a few things.
0: <laughs> Man, let me tell you, like, there's a couple parts that you're like, oh, wow. Like, I knew our government was messed up, but wow, our government was messed up. Like, ethics were not a thing for us for a long time.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. But it's weird that... Here's here's the thing considering how psychic research is viewed in general I have a very hard time believing that our government would spend that much money over that length of time if they weren't at least getting enough results to keep the the process going you know you, you get what I mean like they they must have been getting something out of it like just enough that it was like it's that it's just out of our grasp and and you know given could just be people were funneling money that certainly happens <laughs> but i don't know man it was it was interesting to read about uh it was interesting to read about like the one guy who managed to trigger like the uh gigantic s- sensor thing that was buried in cement that was supposed to measure like gravity yeah. gravity or something like that, that was, was nice man yeah yeah um overall it was an interesting read i thought the area 51 book was better overall it is it is you're not wrong because Area 51 had a very definite like timeline where the army programs, they overlapped a little bit. So you kind of bounced around in history and it was kind of hard to keep all your characters straight for, so to speak, <laughs> you know. And uh, and there were a lot more characters, it seemed like, or I don't know, or maybe the yeah, I don't know.
0: No, there they, they, it was a much larger cross section of people that were involved in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, overall, it was an interesting book. Uh, it was interesting to read about. Um, it kind of tracks with some stuff I've read about, you know, psychic research in general uh, and and the quote real stuff that people have been doing. Uh, and that was interesting at the very least. I, I didn't see them having very many ethical problems because most of the time it was just like a unit of volunteers, like, you know, doing weird stuff.
0: it's some of the like ancillary stuff that they talked about, like some of the way the experiments were run and like the complete lack of scientific method and, and just generally like how shaped, like the thing that people don't remember. And uh, this is something that, that you history majors will remember quite nicely. People underestimate the level of paranoia that existed back then. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it, was like self-fulfilling prophecy especially when it came to this stuff and the near infinite amount of money that was being funneled at anything that could give them an edge like we don't have a parallel in today's society if that makes sense
1: no that's true that's that's very true
0: and and people just like automatically assume that things then would have been like they are now. And that's not a fair comparison to make because society was in a really weird place back then.
1: You know, not to get too philosophical on this, but maybe it was for the better in a weird way, because, you know, when say our political system was sort of allied and aligned around this paranoia of the, you know, the Ruskies or, you know, communist China or whatever, uh, they seem to not have as much time for the uh, infighting that is going on a lot in modern You're society. You're not wrong. Yeah.
0: Just to bring it back to something that we talked about earlier with uh, like the, the, the whole season three arc of Stranger Things, like stuff like this reminds you that, while that was a completely nonsensical thing, as a society, we weren't as far off of that as you would think.
1: Yeah, or at least believing that it could happen, at the yeah. very least.
0: Uh, like like the whole like building bases and, and, and trying to figure out how to spy on each other using brains and stuff like that. Like all of that is legitimate stuff that has happened in our, our society and that we just mm-hmm. don't talk about anymore. Partially because of embarrassment and partially because a lot of this stuff is still like super classified. We may yeah. never know the full extent
1: of of the experiments that were done during that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and a lot of the stuff in Stranger Things is straight based off of actual factual army programs. Yeah. Anyway, 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 it, it was an interesting read. I, I, it was not as good as the first one, but it wasn't so bad. I wouldn't, I would not be opposed to reading another one of her books eventually.
0: Oh no, I'm totally into the things that she writes about. I think it's fascinating. It It's, it's, it's a really good reminder of what like basically group paranoia looks like.
1: So uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, Wesley CP, uh, he released his book finally, uh, Soul Wizard. I think it was like just about to come out during our last episode. So I bought it and read it. And you keep, I keep telling you to read it. And you keep, I, I keep telling you, just pay the guy for it. It was on sale, for Christ's sakes, Jonathan. <laughs> I, it's,
0: it's, it's not a lack of desire, as you can see from my reading list. It's just I That's haven't true. had
1: time to read anything. All right. Well, spend four bucks. You, you could, you could do worse. It's, it's urban fantasy kind of in the vein of, I don't know. It's not really Dresden files cause it's not nearly as noir, but <clears throat> it, it's, it's in that thing where, you know, magic in the modern day is real. That, that, that genre. It's really weird. I was, I was talking to Gene about it. It's really weird talking about this book because I know Wesley and I want to support him. And so it's like, I keep second guessing everything I say because I don't want it to sound like I'm, like, I don't know. It's like ethical or something. I don't know what the right word is, but like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you I want to be respectful to, of, I want to be respectful and I want to say truth, but I want to say truth in a way that doesn't make me sound like I'm an infomercial. And it's really, it's a really weird dance to do in my head.
0: <laughs> I, I can understand that.
1: I like, I gen- I generally liked it. It was it perfect. No, Wesley, I'm, I apologize. It was not perfect, but it was good for what it was. Uh, he sets himself up for a sequel because that's what you do these days. And I, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I want to read it. Yeah, no, I had a good time. It, it, it's a $4 novella. It came a, it came in at like 70, 80 pages on my iReader, which doesn't mean anything because it's also based off of how large the typeface is. But I, I read it in, in a couple of sittings. I'm still proud of that guy. He actually put himself out there. Like that's better than I've ever done. I'm kind of envious of that. Dude, let me
0: just say, like being that I've got I don't know, so much half-written crap lying around. Writing yeah, a book me too. is frigging hard. And anybody that can actually get to the end of a book and have manufactured something, mad respect. I don't even need it to be good. That's just mad respect for the, for the effort and the work you put in. Like,
1: well done. Well, and just beating through your imposter syndrome and all that, so... Yes. Oh, yeah. Very envious. I read my preview manuscript for Trinity Anima, the role-playing game, yet again. Uh, I... I really like that game, Jonathan. I think that's the next thing I want to run. Cause it's cyberpunk. And I've I've been itching for some cyberpunk. It's
0: Me too. Can I be in it? Well, yeah, duh.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, I was talking to Ray about it too, because he was a captive audience while I was at his house. Um but yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting. I, I've been on the the Discord for them of late and talking about Cyberpunk, and it's really annoying because people recommend these like uh, uh, anime series that actually sound interesting to me, which is rare because I generally don't like anime, anime. And then the ones I like, people tend to think are awful. So yeah, don't fa- don't come to me about about my taste in anime because apparently I have terrible ones. But uh, yeah, yeah, just just the whole notion of of everybody in a particular city will have an implant that lets them see augmented reality and that you will have virtual characters that are indistinguishable from real people come up to you and try to advertise to you because it's a dystopian future run by like Facebook and meta and alphabet where, you know, you get ads yeah, it It's a little close to home. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really fascinating, it's really, are really so far off from that. No, no. And actually, uh, I was talking on the Reddit and one of the guys who actually wrote it, uh, said something that here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find this quote because it was a good, good quote. Let me find it. We don't talk that much, so it can't be too far up here. So yeah. So in the discord, Oh, it was that guy, the guy who wrote it, <coughs> his name's, uh, Ian I Watson Watson. I don't know. He's I N W W in this. I I don't remember his real name. It's in the credits of the book. Go look it up yourself. Uh, he posted an article from Big Think about basically the technology that they're talking about, the role-playing game. Like somebody is working on contact lenses and they got him to work with the the AR stuff. And we got in a conversation about that a little bit. And then he said, Sadly, the paradox of cyberpunk is the really good stuff makes you angrier at reality, which is why the argument or which is my argument for why the punk part is vital. It's a really good quote. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like that—that that, that is super valid and
1: hits real home. Real. Home. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. Because yeah, I, I well played. I think pretty sir, well played. That that you that need is, to fight the man. You need yeah. to fight the man.
0: <laughs> so yeah. did I send you that meme uh, about Rage Against the Machine? No. I, I don't know what raging what what machine it was that they were raging against, but I'm pretty sure it was a printer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was dying when I saw that because that, that hit a little too close to home. That was like, oh yeah. So, uh, casual viewer, by the time you listen to this, uh, it'll be kickstarting and I'm definitely going to be in on it. Uh, their next Trinity game that they're doing is called Ether and it's set in the 1890s and it's going to be steampunk and stuff. And they've been releasing these little short stories about the world for the last few days. There's three of them out I Supposedly they have six that are being written, but my, okay. So it's basically, basically when you boil it down, it's the league of extraordinary gentlemen, the role playing game. Like that's, that's pretty much what oh, they are oh, going for. I'm down. Yeah. So it's, it's about the Martian invasion. Like the Martians are, are, that's happening in that. Like, that's what the stories are all about, about them fighting the Martians. But like, it's Nikola Tesla, Dr. Jekyll of all people, and somebody else fighting Martians. <laughs> and they've implied no less that uh, Moriarty's real in that universe and active. Um, they've also made reference to Mina Harker, so Dracula's all happened, and the Invisible Man. So it's going to be one of those things, like all the fictional and real people of the age fighting freaking Martians. Oh, I forgot to send you something
0: today. You, you saying Dracula made me think about it. Um, you know, the hmm. guy that plays Homelander on, uh, the boys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's in talks to do something. <laughs> uh, he's Dracula in related. talks to be Dracula in the Marvel verse, which, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's blade right. related. Probably,
1: probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's And maybe that, Moon Knight can come awesome. up and can ask him for his money. <laughs> 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 I love that meme. I love it. Oh, they need to reenact that. Anyway, so yes, by the time you hear, it's, it's starting tomorrow as of our recording date. So mm-hmm. I will, I will be in on that. Cause I, I almost got a, 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 an RPG based off of Penny Dreadful. And the only reason I didn't was I, I knew I, it was in the middle of impossible landscapes actually kind of near the beginning. And I'm oh, like, I'm not going to have it. any time there was a this Penny Dreadful RPG. Well, it was in the vein of Penny Dreadful, you know, it was, it was, it, 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 it's a powered by the apocalypse game, um, that, that it's like, it's main inspiration was Penny Dreadful. I so, loved Penny Dreadful. I really enjoyed the living daylights out of that. But this sounds like it's gonna hit all those notes. So yes. I'm, I'm like excited. I'm stoked that you're gonna run it. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. Speaking of I know of I know
0: we gotta figure, I know, I know we gotta finish some, some Dracula dossier up, but I gotta tell you, like this sounds right up my alley. I'm down. <laughs>
1: Speaking of that, alley, uh Ray, I think, last time we met for Dracula Dossier, he recommended the book The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter because he's like, you read Dracula, Dracula's in that. I read that off of his recommendation. That was fan friggin-tastic. And it is very much in that vein of that sort of world where all the fictional characters exist. I won't spoil too much of it, but because uh, it's, it's about a lot more than these characters, but the two main characters that you get introduced to for... Basically the first half of the book and then they, they start finding others is the main character is a lady named Mary Jekyll and her mom died and she found out that her mother was paying for uh, something to do with Mr. Hyde and since there's a reward out and she's broke she decides to track down what this is and that's when she finds out she has a half sister named Diana Hyde and they are you know they're sisters but one's Jekyll's kid and one's Hyde's kid. And it's, Ooh, it's an that's interesting. interesting. Mix. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's a really good book. It's uh, it's about the, the lady who did it. She was doing her uh, doctoral thesis on, you know, gothic literature. And she noticed that in a lot of the gothic literature, you know, they'd be making female monsters and then they would murder them <laughs> because they were too it was too scary to make a female monster. And she thought that's weird. And so she made a book kind of like just riffing on that whole concept. And it is fascinating. Um, and if you don't mind a slight spoiler, one of the people that they hook up with is, uh, her name is, uh, Catherine Moreau and she's the Puma that got turned into a lady <laughs> in oh, the, the cool. I- Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. So it's like characters I, I actually, like that. It's funny that you
0: bring up Island of Dr. Moreau. I was just reading an article the other day about how unappreciated and, uh, underappreciated, I should say the, um, first island of dr Moreau movie was from the like 70s
1: Hmm. yeah i've actually never read that book and i read a lot of the the gothic stuff at the time so i should i should put that on my list and it's probably free so that's even better so um but yeah no that book's really good jonathan i'd very very highly recommend that one it was a good read you make sure to remind me
0: especially if i'm bitching
1: about not having anything to read although right now my reading list is pretty extensive you should just put that on your list somewhere, Jonathan. It's, it's worth a read. Uh, I just started up its sequel, which is called European Travel for the Monstrous Gentlewoman. That's a great friggin' title. <laughs> that is a great friggin' title. Yeah, at the beginning of it, uh, Mina Harker sends Mary a telegram uh, asking her to find uh, a lady named Lu- uh, Lucinda uh, Van Helsing and help her. And that, that is the setup for that story. So they are traveling to Vienna to go find that lady. And uh, that's, that's what that story is about. So there you go. And that is... Ba, 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 ba. That is everything I've read. Oh, well, I've only had a chance to finish or, or
0: read two things. Uh, I did manage to finish The Blade itself, which is the book that Ray um, suggested to me. And it's kind of like, Oh, how was that? Okay, so it's there's a lot of world building going on in the first half of the book. And it feels like it's just kind of meandering and going nowhere until you get to the second half of the book and it all pays off. Um, the second half of the book is... Awesome. And like really got me engaged with the story now that I see where it's going and I'm looking forward to reading the next two in the series. So I'm, I'm stoked in that regard. The, the first half of the book, there's a little work that needs to be done to get through it. I don't know if this was his first book or what, but like, it's, it's very clear that like everything is there for a reason. It just, I don't know. I don't know if I would have organized it quite like he did, but that's fine. That's fine. It it comes together in the second half and, and really pays off. So that's what matters. And then the other thing that I finally got a chance to start uh, after I finished Blade itself is the 14th book in the Expeditionary Force series match game, uh, which, uh, yeah, I will have a lot more to say on that in the future. I'm about a third of the way through that. So,
1: oh, by the way, by the way, I it just occurred to me, you know, who would also like the, the Strange Case of the Alchemist's daughter? I bet you money your daughter, Chloe, Chloe.
0: Uh, I bet Chloe would. Um, oh man, you've never seen a kid happier than when I, uh, managed to get her to the Harry Potter store in New York.
1: (laughs) Like she was just glowing, just glowing. Nice. Anyway. Yeah. So if you buy that book, maybe you can get a twofer. By the way, the second one is way thicker than the first one. Like the, I, the first one's kind of short and the second one's like literally twice as big. It's crazy. Anyway, sorry, sorry. That just occurred to me, right? I was, I was thinking, sorry.
0: I know. Heaven forbid you think. How dare you?
1: Yeah. Well, I I want more people to read this book. Like uh, it was surprisingly. I like I, I don't know how Ray heard about it, but it it deserves more praise than it seemingly has because I I found it really good. It had uh, had a very interesting point of view. Come on, half sisters, but their father is Jekyll and Hyde. That's just funny. Like that's no, that's, that's smart, clever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hold on. I'm uh,
0: adding it to my list. You know what? I already had it on my list.
1: Oh, yeah. I think you put it on there when Ray recommended it. Yeah. So I'm stoked. There you go. Double, double recommendation. Double recommendation. All right. I've got a couple things I need to get through before I can jump into a new series. And then the third part of that trilogy, by the way, is called The Sinister Mystery of the Mesmerizing Girl. That sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're good titles. They're good titles.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't even really need the rest of the book to be awesome
1: uh, at this point. Like the titles are really working for me. Okay, not, sorry, I'm gonna have to go off on him again. I apologize. Uh, the other thing that's really fun about them is uh, I don't. <clears throat> basically, every so often, like during the text of the novel, the characters themselves will break in <laughs> and talk about it because apparently one oh, of the man, characters. I love
0: it when things like that happen. <laughs> yeah, <Well, Like>, So <laughs> like the whole of the char- narrative of the Expeditionary Force books, like the the, the main character basically like is recanting his tales and that's like my favorite parts.
1: Yeah. So yeah, one of the characters is writing the story and then apparently the other people involved are reading it. And, uh, she jots down what they say when she, you know, when they chime in to talk about stuff and it's a very clever way of doing some foreshadowing and whatnot. Cause like, uh, Yeah, it's yeah. Like like there's this part at the beginning of the second book that's hilarious where it starts off from Lucinda's point of view and it gets about two paragraphs into her, and then like one of the characters jumps in, it's like, You shouldn't start with her, you should start with us. (laughs) And and then they have an argument about it, and then finally the lady who's writing it goes, like, Oh, fine, and then it starts with them (laughs) and it like and like the book starts over. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I laughed out loud when that happened. It was good stuff. Anyway, all right, all right, all right. I'll stop, I'll stop. All right, video all games, right. video games.
0: All right, you want to go first or you want me to? Uh, Let's
1: go back and forth, I think.
0: I think we've got just about the same. Well, uh, you've got more than me, so you start. I should be able to slot in. All right, well, I, I saw, like, Steam was having a stupid sale, as they often do. And yeah, the it was PC, a summer sale. Yeah, the PC version of uh, Rise, Son of Rome, got, like, dumb cheap. I think I paid, like, $2 for it. I was like, oh, man, I... I had some decent memories of this game. Let me let me give it a shot. Let me just tell you, man, that game totally underrated. It's aged very, very well. And the PC version ex- espe- especially is is it's hard to believe that that's like a nine-year-old game. Like it's stunning. It looks good. Hmm. It looks real good. Yeah, the combat's a little simplistic and the camera's a little clunky at times. Um that's really fair to you know, criticize about it, but it's a great narrative. It's super fun to play. And like, I don't know. I'm just having a great time with it. I, I just, I, I feel like it's aged very, very well. And it was really underrated. And I'm really glad that I got the second chance with it. Oddly enough.
1: No oh, weird. It was just on the Xbox one. And then they released it on windows about a year later.
0: Huh? Well, cause the Crytek developed it. Uh, the far cry people. Yeah. Yeah. They developed it as a launch game for the Xbox One, which is why it started off life there, and they had a limited exclusivity with it, and they wanted to make some more money off of it. They were a little disappointed with Xbox sales, and so they uh, released it on PC.
1: Hmm, cool.
0: Like, if you get the chance, if you get the chance, it's 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 a fun one. I'm really having a great time with it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to get an Xbox sooner or later, because uh, Elder Scrolls Six is... Elder Scrolls 6, I think, is going to come out at the perfect time, because that should be right around the time we get our first price drop, which will be, you know, the time to get in on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the plan right now. I am pissed well, about Starfield and not playing that, but whatever. I, I'll, I'll I
0: will say this. I have played my Xbox a lot, and I'm very glad that I have it. And I think Xbox Game Pass is the best, most robust I, deal in gaming right now. Without a doubt. I know. I you know. get so much for your money.
1: You don't have to sell that. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. You get to
0: try a bunch of stuff that you normally probably wouldn't, and it's. I've had some really cool experiences thanks to it.
1: All right, so speaking of sales, uh, I played the hell out of Rogue Legacy on the PC back when it first came out, and I really enjoyed it, and it was really cheap on the PlayStation, and I had some good memories, so I went and picked it up again. Also, I know they had, like, they released a couple more patches after I stopped playing it, so I was like, oh, it's a good excuse to do all that again. That is a fun game. I found out they made a sequel, and it's on Xbox Live, so you should play that and then tell me about it, because it's exclusive to there at least for another few months, if not Which longer. one's Rogue Legacy? Rogue Legacy, it's, it's a very much like a Castlevania, Metroidvania game. But oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But that it's roguelike. Awesome.
1: So basically, you run through this evil castle in the first one, it's about this evil castle, and every time you die, uh, you pick one of your three errors, and that's your next character. And they, you it, know, it's randomly chosen, and they have a lot of random, really random traits. Like they can end up with uh, IBS, and they fart every time they jump. Huh. <laughs> they can end up with. Uh, being farsighted or nearsighted so things are fuzzy out on the edge of the screen or the really really bad one is if they have vertigo and you have to play like physically everything flips upside down and so you're trying to like play the game with the people with you know the floor being on the top of the screen that's really hard (laughs) I, i i avoid that at all costs they also like you can be a dwarf where your character is like half the size and they can find like a lot there's a lot of secret entrances for people of that that, that that stature but then again their weapons are shorter so it's a lot harder to actually hit things because you gotta get a lot closer um or you could have giantism and you're giant and huge and you can whack things from much further away it's it's a weird game but it's fun and uh, my boys were really getting into that and uh and you know they like the monsters and they like bashing things with weapons and they started like playing it you know playing pretend rogue legacy and i'm like you know what they would like uh they would really like the castlevania games and then as if the the you know the Dracula himself shined down upon me like the next sale that came up uh Dracula the uh Castlevania Advance collection got stupid cheap well not stupid cheap it got 33% off which is a whole 3% off more than it's ever been before and I'm like screw it I'll buy it because the boys are real into it so I have uh I've been playing that but that will be my next games I don't know why I went there <laughs> so there you go but uh yeah no Rogue Legacy if you haven't played it it's good it, it it, when it gets cheap, it gets down to like two, three bucks. It's definitely worth that, and you should have Rogue Legacy too on the and it. it, it there's not like a story; you can just play the second. Yeah, I'm pretty one. sure you it's don't... on Game Pass. Yeah, so if that sounds intriguing to you at all, uh, download that and give it a try. I I am very curious because they they did a lot better. Because the problem with the first game is your your dude's just in armor no matter what you are. Because there's classes like you know archmage and lich and you know spellcastery classes, but you're always like dude or gal in armor. You know, and it's really funny if you're an archmage, like, they're, if you're a wizard, their visual difference is all the wizards always have beards, even if you're a lady. You'll just have this long white
0: beard.
1: <laughs> Which is kind of hilarious. But, it, like, I know in the next game there's, like, classes like pirate and stuff, and they're actually, like, visually distinct. Like, the pirate looks like a pirate, and they, they did a lot more with making the characters look a lot more interesting. And uh, I think the, the sequel takes place in a city instead of just, like, you know, a Castlevania-style castle. So, whatever. But... Yeah. Give it a try. I think you'll like it. It's uh, it's very much in that vein. And basically the way it works is you go through, you get money. When you die, your heir gets your money that you found in the castle and you spend it to upgrade your castle, which unlocks, you know, static buffs. Like you can do more damage or unlock classes or actually just get more money in the castle. Like the amount of money you get every time you get money goes up by 10% up to like 50%, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, but then when you enter the castle, death is there and death takes all your money. <laughs> so, you know, it it's in your best interest to spend it and spend it wisely to try to end up with as little money as possible near the end. Also you gotta like buy upgrades to gear and all that, but you keep that. That persists. And so every time you do it, you know, it's like the next guy, it's like, oh, I bought enough that I bought an upgrade to my weight allowance so I can equip more gear and I got a uh I raised my damage slightly. And so every time you go through it you can get a little bit further, you know? It's good times. Yeah. It's a good yeah. it's a good gameplay. Uh, it
0: reminds me a little bit of uh Hades. Yes, yes. Where where the 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 intent of the game is like you're supposed to die. You're not going to make it through the first time. That's not what the game's about.
1: Right, right. And and to be fair, I think this game's a little bit more casual than Hades. So Ray, there you go. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Because because Hades made my fingers hurt. I was playing that so hard because it was so twitchy. So
0: good. That that game is so so good.
1: Yes, Rogue Legacy is not that good, but it's still fun. The gameplay loop is fun. There is no story. (laughs) The story is there's an evil castle. And like, I think, I think by the time I beat it the first time I was 33 generations in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What was it on the Genesis? Uh, You remember fantasy star? Was it two or three where you you went through Three. three generations?
1: Yeah, it was three. I keep meaning, I I have the Sega Genesis collection. I keep meaning to fire that one up. I I get in my head that I.
0: I will too, because I never beat that. And I am officially an adult now, which means I have the patience to beat that kind of game. And I have been meaning to do that.
1: Yeah, I keep getting in my head that I have to like play them in order or something. And I'm like, I I need to break. No, I think they're all standalone, as I recall. Well, one, one and two and four take place in the same continuity, but three is kind of its own thing.
0: Speaking of older RPGs, uh, I found Lost Odyssey on Xbox Live, and it was dumb cheap, like dumb cheap. I think I paid two dollars for it, and I, I I had recently read a uh, review on just how good it was, and how it's like this lost gem of RPGs, and I was really looking for a turn-based RPG. It's I've got that itch, you know, and mm-hmm. so I uh, I picked it up, and man, I'm having a I'm like two hours into it right now, and I am having a fantastic time with it it is a great turn-based rpg it's like out final fantasy final fantasy right now Hmm. it's got a cool world cool visuals like i'm just i'm having a great great time with it and it's it's held up very well
1: then i can't play that because that's xbox pc only is there a pc version no there's not it's just xbox 360 my bad
0: yeah like it was, it was a, it was supposed to be a launch game, and then it got delayed, and like it was a big deal when they were making it.
1: Well, I'll have to put that on the list of things to play. It works on your your Xbox.
0: Yeah, my Series Xbox X? Series
1: X, it's uh, backwards compatible. Cool. All right, I'll have to put that on the list of things to do, because I'm sure by the time I get it, that'll occasionally be really, really stupid cheap.
0: <laughs> like it can't get much more stupid cheap than what I pay for it.
1: Well, as I mentioned, I bought the Castlevania collection. So I played Castlevania Harmony of Dissidents. Dude, those uh, Castlevania
0: collections are, are fantastic, aren't
1: they? Yes, yes. So this is the one of the Game That's Boy Advance. The
0: Game Boy ones, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's all the Game Boy Advance Castlevania. So Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissidence and Aria, Aria of Sorrow. So Harmony of Dissodence I never played. I could never get my hands on a copy of it because uh, I, I, I never owned a Game Boy Advance, but I bought the adapter for my GameCube, and that was great. That was a good purchase it's really weird. I was reading the Wikipedia article of it, and basically the uh, the guy who created it the Castlevania guy, he was like, "I want to make a game like uh Symphony of the Night and yeah that's that's what it is, but it's kind of like a copy like a copy of a copy of a copy, so it's not quite as sharp as, <laughs> as Symphony of the Night like Symphony of the Night's way better and this game's like, eh, it's all right it's okay, <laughs>
0: but it was also on a a, a- cartridge in a handheld system like right really right but it it, it. I, it's a but, but it, miracle what it pulls off for a for a portable system i think
1: right 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 but like but what i'm saying is like it, it hits all the same beats it, it's like playing symphony of the night again but not because yeah. like because yeah, like know you, you know how, you know how symphony of the night had had the upside down castle Ooh. so um in harmony of dissonance you're you're teleporting around really the castle really well by the way let me just go yes, on
0: record as saying like that shouldn't have worked nearly as... Like on paper, that shouldn't work like it does, but it works really well.
1: Yes, yes. So in that game, you, uh, you're you going through this first area and you can't get out, but then you find a teleporter and then you teleport and you're going through the castle. And then um, the story of it is, it's a classic Castlevania story. You you, you go into the, the... Dracula's castle shouldn't be back, but it is... And your friend's in there and then, you know, sometimes you run your friend and he's acting all weird and crazy and evil and sometimes he's acting all am- asthmatic and, you know, and then basically, you know, the plot twist about halfway through is there's two castles, dump, dump, duh, because your your has got infested with the spirit of Dracula. And so one of the castles is Dracula's version of the castle and one of them is the version of the castle that your friend's fighting Dracula's evil And so that's generally the easier part of the castle. And but you've been teleporting between the two of them the entire time and you just didn't know it until then. And then, yes, there's two castles and, you know, it's kind of like, oh, it's like the upside down castle. It's just like every single plot beat in that. It's like, oh, it's like that thing that happened in Symphony of the Night. Exactly. Oh, it's like that thing that happened. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just like it's yeah. Yeah. It just feels like a weird copy. Um, and it's all right. It's not great, but it's it does it does what it needs to do. It was fun playing a, a Castlevania game I never played before.
0: I, I think you really need to take into account the system that it was released on. Like that's an no, you don't part well, of the equation. We
1: we will get into that. We will get into that. But I I think its flaw is you know how sometimes like Metroidvania games they can get a little obtuse and you don't know what you need to do because they're not yes. terribly clear. Yes.
0: Look at that you, game, Metroid, the latest one, yes. whatever it was,
1: Metroid Dread. Yes. That one has a very bad problem with it because there are three keys you need to find to to, to the the
0: point where it actually hurts the accessibility of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you're
0: not doing the franchise any favors by making it hard for people to get into the newest one. You know what I mean? I don't know what you're talking
1: about. Metroid Dread was awesome. It's the best, it's the highest selling Metroid game ever.
0: Not saying that it wasn't awesome. Not saying that it wasn't (laughs) awesome.
1: But if that had been my first Metroid game, I would have been frustrated and pissed
0: off and, and never played it.
1: But anyway, yes, um, the problem is, like, there's three keys that you need to find to progress through the game. So I found a key, and the first key you find isn't for the first locked door you find. It's actually for one of the last ones you find, and there's only one locked door of that type in the entire castle. So if you forget that it's a different door, which I did, (laughs) it's going to take you a while to go find it, which sucked. I ended up, like, running around forever trying to figure out what I should do. You know, I remembered where all the locked doors were and I just had in my head that this one locked door was the same as this other locked door when it was slightly different because one of the locked doors is kind of rainbow colored and one of them's kind of like yellow and white. And I got those two kind of converged in my head and then I spent, you know, the better part of an hour and a half running around, you know, looking at all the places I could go and then finally having to look up a guide and go, oh, it's that door, that one up there that I thought was like the other ones. And it's just it, you know, like the first key you get should probably open up that first locked door you find at the beginning of the game. Just saying, which that door, by the way, is one of the last doors that you get to unlock, which is also kind of stupid. Anyway,
0: uh, what's next? What's next? Uh, oh, uh,
1: I've I've got the the new Lego Star Wars game. I think you're. I think you had just gotten that last time we talked.
0: Yeah. Uh, the more I get into it, the more fun I'm having. It's great. It's everything that's great about the, the the lego games you know the collection aspects but it's all these modern sensibilities have gone into it. it it updates what was becoming a very stale formula and it retains the soul of what made those special and i think it's fabulous i'm having so much fun with it
1: yeah yeah so did you beat it yet or are you still playing through it
0: no i i ju- am just now getting back
1: into it because again traveling word word All right. So the last game I played was I beat Harmony of Dissonance. And that means I started in with Aria of Sorrow. And oh, my God, that game is a work of art, Jonathan. Yeah, it it really is. Probably. And you were talking about like, oh, they managed to fit that on a cartridge. That's also a DS game, but the graphics are way better. And the game design is much better. I only got stopped up once. That, that and came because, out much deeper into the console's lifestyle. Yeah, it was one. It, it was one of the last ones. It, it
0: very clearly shows that they they got much more comfortable with what they
1: could do yes. on that console. Yes, but no, that game that game's great. Like it's it's really good. Uh, it's probably I don't know if I'd say it's better than Symphony of the Night, but I don't think it quite is. But it's real close. And if someone argued it, I wouldn't hold it against them. <laughs> that's how good that game is. It's close at the very least. I, I I will admit it's close. I think Symphony Knight's a little bit better. But yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah that game's so much fun. I'm uh I just got the bad ending, so I gotta do a little bit more work to get the better endings now. Which I want to do. Cause I think I want to play that game on hard mode. That sounds fun. I don't know. We'll see what if I end up doing that. But yeah. Oh.
0: Oh, it's exquisite. No, you're not wrong. That, that game is fabulous, fabulous, fabulous.
1: And I love, I love, I got the best sword in the game, and I knew where it was because I remembered because it's real good, and I got it like, like I, I went out of my way to get it super duper early, so I keep finding these other weapons. It's like, do you want to try this other weapon? I'm like, no, no, this is the best sword in the game. But I love that the best sword of the game is literally bigger than you are, both in width and height. <laughs> 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 it's <just> giant. <laughs> When your guy's, like, swinging it over his head, it's just like, how are you even holding on? Where is it? Did you ever, uh, do you remember an old anime, and I think they made a
0: Dreamcast game about it, uh, Berserker Guts Rage? Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yes. He he had, like, one of those ridiculous swords like that, too.
1: Yeah, did he also have, like, cartoon physics, you know, yep. where he, like, pulls Super it out of his pocket? Physics. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, I, I've been continuing to play Sniper Elite 5 with my buddy. Um, that game, what, what a weird sensation it is playing that game. On the one hand, I won't play it alone. Like it frustrates me to play it alone. It just doesn't work for me. Like it's just not engaging or fun. The moment you put a co-op care or a co-op buddy in like that game just shines. It's gorgeous and wonderful. And it's just so much fun to play And it's such a great co-op experience, and I love it. Like it's such a a tale of two completely vastly different worlds.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Um, But yeah, like that game. I'm again like with my co-op buddy. I've just been having a blast with it, uh, an absolute blast with it, and it's just been it's a gas every time I play it.
1: (laughs) Have you gotten a Quigley yet?
0: Yes. Yes, I have. Yes, nice. I have. Good.
1: I've gotten a few quicklies in the next game we're about to talk about. Mario Kart Eight. Mario Kart Eight. Yes. We we've also been playing that. I didn't write that down because I figured I'd just riff off of you.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, like I took my Switch with me on my business trip, and I'm really, really, really glad that I did because I totally got rehooked on Mario Kart, and I've just
1: been playing the living daylights out of it. Nice. That's a fantastic game.
0: No, it really is. It really, really is. Like it. It's like, hey, let me show you why it is that cart games are a thing. Let me let me remind
1: you because so many of these cart games are close but no cigar. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, it's part of our nightly ritual here that we play a family game of that before we go to bed. And lately, we've been playing battle mode, uh, where all of our families on one team because you know daddy's real good and nobody wants to be against daddy cause he wins a lot. So it's like, Oh, we're all on daddy's team. That's fair. And yeah, I, uh, I'm really good with the boomerang. I've gotten more than my share of quigglies of launching the boomerang and hitting two people with it. <laughs> it's, it's very satisfying. It's very satisfying. And what's funny about it is, you know, both my kids are, are almost six now. And, just in a few months, Miles has gotten really good at that game, like like better than my wife, which doesn't make her. Dude, feel Dude, it, it's
0: crazy when your kids hit that that
1: learning curve on video
0: games and suddenly become really good at them. Like, isn't it's so weird, right? Agreed. I remember when, when the first time, like all of a sudden, like first person shooters clicked with Carlos and uh, he went like God mode playing a game. And I was like, wow, OK, OK, so now 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 you're a threat.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun stuff speaking of which if you ever take your uh your switch on a trip again i i did this when i was on vacation last year and it was it was worth every penny there's a, a little tactical very simplified uh, tactical rpg called chroma squad it's on everything you could buy it anywhere you want but it's 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 very loosely based on the power rangers but instead of being like the power rangers you're like a team of actors who are in a power rangers show and so you know you want to make the fights (laughs) as awesome as possible because the more ratings you get the higher the budget is for the you know next season and then you can buy better stuff (laughs) it's it's but it's a fantastic game it's it's a fantastic game and i I got it on my switch and for like uh it's it's really simple and it's 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 just enough there tactically because it is a tactical game That it keeps you engaged, but it's light enough that you can kind of pick it up and put it down and not pay too much attention to it. And then the story is just goofy as all hell, you know, because it's it's really playing on just Power Rangers riffs. It's very funny. So and also it's 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 a little indie studio game. It's all pixel art. So the switch can handle it just fine. So that it's another reason why it's good on the switch.
0: Man, Mario Kart's a delight on the switch, by the way. Like, yes. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey. Let me show you exactly what I am capable of. I like. I know. I know most people choose not to make games that 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 look this good. But yeah,
1: look at look at me. Look at me shine. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. I've been really thinking about getting that course pack upgrade.
0: Yeah, like my latest obsession with it is sending me down that same path.
1: Yeah, because like it's twenty five dollars and for eight courses, that's like a little too much money. <laughs>
0: You, you know, but it's Nintendo, and so when you put the Nintendo tax in, it makes
1: perfect sense. Well, no, 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 but no, they're gonna release um, so it's staggered, so they're releasing four courses every few months. So eventually, it's gonna be like another complete game, like it'll, as many courses that are currently on it, it will have twice as many if you buy that once it's all out. But it's like right now, for eight courses for 25 bucks, it's like, uh, I don't think that's quite worth it. But then, when they release the next four pack, you know, the next cup. And now it's like 12 new courses for 20. It's like, ah, yeah. And it's just like, am I going to be playing it long well, you know enough it's for never this to actually go be worth on it?
0: Sale. It's never going to get cheaper because. They- well,
1: it's a DLC. Yeah. Yeah. That that's neither here nor there. I don't care about that. I don't know. I just, I, I just keep looking at those courses. I'm like, oh, when am I going to pull the trigger on this? Cause my fear is, my fear is like, you know, I'll spend 25 bucks on it and I'll play the, the eight new courses or the two new cups or whatever you want to look at it. And then, um, and I'll just stop. and then it's like well that wasn't worth it Uh, like if we're playing that in a year from now because I I think almost all the courses are almost all the new cups are supposed to be out a year from now and at that point it's definitely worth it because like it's 12 more cups overall Jonathan it's going to be crazy think about that it's twice the game it's like buying another just like another game for 25 bucks if you get all those once they're all out they're just not all out yet
0: yeah, I mean, you know like, I, mean? I, I have no problem with it. Like, I, I do want to buy it. I just need to, honestly, just need to get around to it. Uh, and that is the end of our off the shelf segment, which means it is time for our year in the life. This is, of course, where we look into our way back machine and we talk about what was happening a year ago, which I can almost guarantee you is more exciting than what has happened this year
1: a couple episodes we had that really long break because apparently we were out of town a little bit earlier last year than we were this year. So now we're playing catch up, uh, forgot my dice, 110, 111 and 112 all happened (laughs) while we were away, Jonathan. Wow. Uh, don't even tempt brain bank for the future and neither a jet nor a Jaguar, uh, where we reviewed warp's edge aliens, another glorious day in the core and aliens bug hunt. Dude, warp's edge is great. I have, Played that in the last year. I'm stoked on that. Oh, cool! So you actually have played one of these games. How how are the aliens games holding up? Have you ever played them again?
0: Uh, The dice one, which is not another glorious day in the core. The other one, yeah, the bug hunt. Bug hunt. um, Yeah, I've had that out a couple times just because it's a lot easier to set up. The bug hunt one, or the the uh, uh, glorious day in the core is it's super fun and super aliens, but it's pain in the butt to set up. So I just haven't
1: had it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, COVID, you know hard to get. Yeah, well, right that's the problem.
0: Yet. That's 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 the past year. Yeah, that's been a
1: big issue. Yeah. So incidentally, I was looking over our various stuff. Uh We wrapped up Bond during this time and we watched Carrie in 112. That was oh, one hundred and twelve. Oh, it's the
0: beginning of it. Yeah. King
1: Run. That's awesome. Like, it's been a minute. So, yeah, we've been we've been watching these Stephen King crap fests for. Well, not all of them are crap. Not fests. all of them, man. Yeah. But we watched that first crap fest a year ago. Oh, uh, that came out, and
0: what a mess that was.
1: Yeah, that came out in July 20th of last year, actually. So it's almost a year to the day from the recording date. Oh, you know what? Still feeling the sting of that one.
0: Still <laughs> feels fresh. Still feels fresh. Yeah.
1: <sighs> It's so weird. I still see that movie pop up on like the best horror movies ever list. And I'm like, have you have you watched it? I I don't know. I I feel like it's being put on the list because people have been told
0: it should be on the list, not because it actually has earned a place. I've got to tell you that.
1: Well, I don't know. And maybe at the time it was doing things that other people have since done better. But since we're watching it now, and not then it it friggin like sexualizing
0: teenagers.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I get it. It was a different time, but like that doesn't excuse the behavior. It's, it's gross and weird and I don't like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Although I, I guess we hadn't, I guess we had just watched, um, cause no time to die hadn't come out yet. I think we watched that later, but we had definitely, what was the one before that? It wasn't skyfall. It was the kind of bad one. Uh, Spectre. Between. Spectre. Yeah. Although man, that, that single tracking shot for the first part was pretty rad.
0: Dude, yeah,
1: the the uh Mexico City cold open? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that's that's what was going on a year ago. That's it's been a year. It's been a year. Okay, so I don't know if you've been keeping up with your Kickstarter updates, uh Jonathan, but do you uh last I saw a friend of the show Mike Hall has gotten all of his copies of This Defined Earthen, and he started to ship them. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, but but like but it's weird, right? <laughs> like, that was like one of the very, very, very first things we did on one of the very, very first episodes of the show.
0: It's definitely you know? had its challenges getting to a market.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's just weird. It's weird that it's, I don't know. It's like, is this full circle? You know, like when just we get about. it? Just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's weird. I'm kind of almost afraid of getting that book in because there's this like superstitious part of me that has this fear that the show will have to end because we finally got that book. Like that book was the lifespan <laughs> of the show. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's this like weird, there's this weird fear I have of that. Dude. Like, I, almost, I almost wanted to get lost in the mail. The,
0: the, the show's <laughs> going to continue even if I leave the country, which I would love to do.
1: Well, yeah, because we have the internet. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Now, this Define Earth, it's coming soon. That's TM. awesome. Yeah, no, I'm happy. He wow, that was just that whole process. Yeah. Just reading about it was just like what it was. It was like Murphy's Law, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like just when it, just when things start getting unburied, it's like okay, well now I got to go print it, and COVID and printing's awful. <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, I really feel for him. Like it's it's been a shitty
1: run for him,
0: without a doubt. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, um, anyway, is
0: that year in life?
1: That's year in life.
0: All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be time for our first deep dive in Way Too Long. Onk, Gods of Egypt. We'll see you in a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by
1: one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this this needs to stop. Listen, I'll I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Ah. Yeah, I'm going to cut his cord.
0: (laughs) And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And on tonight's deep dive, we are talking about Ankh, Gods of Egypt.
1: Not Ankh, the other game that came out in 2016, which I found out about. No, not that one. Yeah, because I started copying down the text. I'm like, this doesn't sound like the game I have in my head. And (laughs) I had to go double check. And I was like, oh, that explains a lot. Play as a god of ancient Egypt competing to survive as society begins to forget the old ways so that only you and your followers remain. Build caravans, summon monsters, and convert followers in your quest to reign supreme in Ankh, gods of Egypt. Deities, monsters, and the people of ancient Egypt have been lovingly reimagined and interpreted in beautiful illustrations and detailed miniatures, and players will truly feel like gods as they shake the very foundations of Egypt." That's some good text right there. I like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think I cut out the line about playing with cards and stuff because it was kind of weird and tacked on. So I I got rid of it. And I figured you'd talk about that anyway. Speaking of which, Jonathan, how does this game play?
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Ankh, Gods of Egypt, which is Eric Lang's third game in his mythic trilogy, the first of which was Blood Rage and the second of which was Rising Sun. This is uh, closing that trilogy out. And, uh, instead of, uh, ancient Japan or, um, ancient Nordic countries, we've got ancient Egypt, which is, uh, awesome because I was totally, uh, I was an anthropology major for a short time and, um, Egypt was my specialty. So I had, I've spent a lot of time and this was a treat. I had so much fun diving into this just because of the art and everything. Like on top of the fact that it's an awesome game, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. So, I'm going to approach this a little bit differently, Robert, because there's some, some some setup work that we need to do to be able to explain how Ankh works. It is very unique in this trilogy, uh, and yet the DNA of the trilogy is all over it, uh, and I hope that will make sense at the end of this. So... We need to really start it set up to understand the game, and the first thing you're going to do, of course, is toss out the game board. And the game board, when you look down on it, is ancient Egypt. You'll see the the fertile crescent of uh, the Nile, going to, um, you know, going towards its, its terminal end, and of course the desert plays a part of it. And when you look really closely, you'll see that the river uh, splits into two forks on the on the game board. And that's important because that is actually forming uh, barriers, which basically split the game board into three sections. And that will become very, very important as we continue to talk about the rest of the game. Uh, The board itself is uh, split into a couple different types of spaces. There's water spaces, there's fertile spaces, and there are desert spaces. The rest of the board is split up into hexagons, and the hexagons work with this concept of adjacency. So when you are next to another space, you are adjacent to it, with the one exception being if that space exists in a different region of the board. So if you remember that that river forks out and splits the board into three regions, and a regional barrier prevents adjacency, which has a major impact on how you approach where you're putting stuff and how you're moving your units around. And in fact, adjacency can be further altered by the concept of the camel caravan, which sometimes, in the pre-built scenarios that are in the uh, in the instruction book, and sometimes, because of game effects that come, and we'll be discussing those in great detail later on, can be placed on the board, basically taking a region and dividing it into two, uh, two regions. And that really affects adjacency, especially if you cut somebody's region in half separating them from some of the more important aspects on the board. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, so in this game, you play a god. Uh, you play one of the, the classic gods of Egyptian uh, mythology, and the first thing you're going to do is grab your, your god figure and your player board, uh, which is simultaneously the same as the other gods, and we'll explain, um, in, in you know, in basically their, their Ankh powers, which we will explain in a little more detail in a moment. But... They're also um, asymmetrical because each god has its own god ability, which is specific to itself. In addition, uh, you get to choose a guardian. And these are some of the legendary creatures from uh, Egyptian mythology, which you're probably familiar with, Uh, the most popular of which is probably the Sphinx. Your guardian is completely asymmetrical. Guardians are very different from one another uh, and are going to be one of the ways that you separate yourself from the other players at the at the table Uh, in addition each god will come with warriors and these warriors are similar to kind of the warriors in blood rage and similar to the warriors in rising sun in that they are just disposable units they're probably going to die a lot and that's okay they're they're one of the core units but they're the same for everybody in addition there's three types of monuments in the game Uh, obelisks pyramids and temples and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about monuments later on, but controlling those monuments is part of how you get followers and followers are the currency of the game, in a sense. The next thing you're going to lay out is the dashboard. And the dashboard is kind of interesting because there are four different actions on the, on the dashboard. And then at the bottom, there's a section called events. And if you imagine from left to right, there are a total of seven spaces on each action line. And the actions are moving figures, summoning figures, gaining followers, or unlocking Ankh powers. Based on how many players you have, you're going to put your marker um, to the left side of that action board, and you're only going to get seven spaces on those actions if you're playing with five players. For instance, if you're playing with two players, you only get four spaces on that action board. It's helping to manage the flow of the game based on the number of players you have. Make
1: sense? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of games do that.
0: Yeah. So as you take actions of which you'll get two actions on every turn, well, up to two, I should say, because there's several game things that will cause you to lose an action, uh, which is not always a negative thing. I might add, um, you select an action and you're going to move the marker from left to right, eventually getting to an arrow on the far right hand side of the board, uh, at which time, the um, action marker will return over to the left-hand side, uh, kind of like a typewriter. Uh, and when you hit that event marker, you'll see that arrow's pointing down at the event board at the bottom, which is a series of symbols that you will travel through. And every time a player initiates the event marker, the event will jump forward one, and something will happen. Uh, those events can be um, control, uh, which is where you get to take Uh, control of monuments and um, that of course increases the number of followers you can generate Uh, it can be conflicts which is basically the combat of the game which we'll talk about in a moment or it can be a camel caravan which is where you get these little camels out and it lets you slice up the board and that's really important because when you slice up that board that can cause wild gyrations in who controls what and who has the upper hand And it's one of my favorite aspects of this game. Now let's talk about the the different actions. You can take up to two actions in a turn, and the actions are listed top to bottom on the board. And that's important because whatever action you do first, you have to take an action beneath it next. So if you take move, which is the top of the four actions, great, that means you've got three different action types that you can use below. Uh, But if you take gain followers as an action your second action can only be the bottom row which is unlock uh, an onk un- power all make sense so far yes so now let's talk about your god dashboard remember when i told you about unlocking onk powers mm-hmm. as the game progresses you'll have the ability to utilize that action and when you utilize that action you get to put um to- ankh tokens on your player board and that gives you access to different powers now, each time you do that, you've got three columns of power uh, of different onk powers. Each of those columns has four different powers in it, but from any given column, you can only select two powers. So that means every time you play, you have some variation there based on what you're picking, and that's going to be very much based on what game you're playing. And the interesting thing is, what you pick at the beginning of the game might end up biting you in the rear later on. So there's a risk and reward thing going on there, which is awesome. One of the other things that you'll see on the uh, on the player board is guardian symbols. And that is how you spawn um, guardians, which we talked about, which are those, I would call the minor gods, like the Sphinx. And that's how you bring them into play in your game. There's also the concept of devotion. Um, most people would think of devotion as victory points. And there's a track that you lay out as well. And the track is interesting because it's it's divided into two sections. Uh, The first section is colored blue and is near the top, and the second section is colored red and is near the bottom. And everybody starts at the beginning of the track, firmly in the the red zone. And what's particularly interesting about that is as the game progresses, there are moments where um, the bottom two players on the Devotion track will actually combine into a single player basically eliminating one of the players and making them work together. And then there's another moment in the game where anybody who's not in the blues section of the devotion track dies. They get removed from the game, eliminated. And if everybody's in that section, you all die. You're all gone. Wow, everybody loses? Everybody loses. Huh. It's like Oprah. And you get a loss, and you get a loss. Uh, Now, order is important. Yeah, bees. (laughs) Uh, Order's important. When you start the game, you select the first player, which, I, as I recall, is um, either randomly selected or the person that owns the most cats. In reverse player order, starting to the first player's left, you put your tokens one at a time, stacking on top of each other. And the reason the stacking is important is because if you are tied with another player, whoever's on top of that stack is technically um, leading the person behind them. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So that's, that's Devotion. That's, it acts like a victory point tracker, but there are some other aspects to it which you really have to kind of keep in mind. The other thing that you get you get is a set of battle cards. And these cards are used during the conflict component of the game. And they're basically very similar to what we saw in Rising Sun and very similar to what we saw in Blood Rage, where it gives you the potential to have a bonus during conflict. Uh, and there's a secondary action that can occur from the battle card. And it's, everything here is public knowledge, I might add. Um, whenever you unlock something, whenever you use a battle card, you have to place it someplace so that people know exactly what you've used and what you haven't, which I think is really neat. I, I, I like when people know what tricks you have up your sleeves. That's fun. And that's, at that point, the setup of the game. Uh, the other thing that you need to do when you set up the game is grab the scenario book. Uh, and this is something different from what we saw in Rising Sun and different from what we saw in Blood Rage in that the there is a game state that you must select and those scenarios are all player count specific. So not all scenarios will work for two players, three players, four players, or five players, which is pretty neat. Um, the scenarios are going to have you placing m- certain monuments like pyramids, temples, and obelisks out on the board Um, and sometimes even have you place camel caravans on the board so that uh, you're defining additional regions before you even get started. And that's basic setup of the game and gives you an idea of some of the mechanics that we'll we'll explore now. Now, the actions are pretty straightforward. Uh, If you choose move figures, you get to move up to two of your figures, um, and adjacency is really important there because you're, you're moving adjacent spaces, and you can even move into the ocean and out of the ocean. But oceans are, are, are tough. Or, I shouldn't say ocean. Uh, it's either a lake or the river. Um, o- the, the, the water spaces are tough because you cannot put a monument in the water space for obvious reasons. Your god character will always be on the board, but your guardians and your warriors will come and go, depending on, on game state. Warriors, especially, uh, if you lose conflict, all get wiped out. So you're, you're, you'll be recycling your warrior figures a lot. And that's very Blood Rage uh, specifically. Like Blood Rage your, your people are meant to die. The next action is summon figures. That is pretty straightforward. It just lets you summon figures. Uh, you know, whether they are warriors or whether they are guardians that you've unlocked, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Next thing, gain followers. Again, reasonably straight, uh, straightforward based on a couple things. You have a base amount of followers that you can gain. And those followers are basically treated like a currency. They let you, um, you can trade followers for stuff. Uh, But here's the thing. Remember those monuments that you put out on the board? Mm -hmm. One of the things that you can do, of course, is um, take over those monuments in the event uh, section of the board. And when you take over a monument, that also generates more followers for you. So there's an economic aspect to it, too. You can build up how many monuments you control so that you can build up, um, y- you know, how many followers you can build, and followers are how you are going to buy stuff in the game. So it's super, super, super important to um, have a lot of a good flow of followers. So now let's take a look at those events in just a bit more detail. Um, if you recall, the events are under the action board, and every time you you hit the the terminal end of the action board and you move your marker back to the left, that triggers. Uh, a forward motion on the event tracker. Now, controlling monument pretty straightforward. It's exactly what you mean. Um, if you are adjacent to a monument that is not controlled by another player, then you can put one of your markers on it, and now you control that, and you can make more more um, followers. Now, if there are any monuments on the board that are not controlled by a player, then you must when you take this action. Um, take over a neutral monument to get get anything out of it but if all of the monuments that are currently on the board are controlled by players you can actually go and take over opposing players monuments as well to give them a negative impact and give you a positive impact now when you hit the camel caravan you're going to get a caravan of camels that you can put out to split regions into sub-re- <coughs> sub-regions and a subregion must contain at least six spaces, not counting water spaces, uh, when you chop it off for it to count in the game. And then finally, the last thing that you're going to see on the event is conflict. And conflict is going to feel very familiar to some of the other games in the trilogy. The first thing you're going to do is check for domination. So domination is if all the figures in any given region belong to a single player, then you automatically dominate that region, Good for you you get stuff the next thing that you're going to do is check and see if there is a battle so if you are in a contested region then a battle is going to take place in each of those regions that has a, a contested state and it's going to involve any number of players that have at least one figure present in that region and you're going to go through a couple steps to resolve that conflict so the first thing you're going to do is select and reveal your um, your battle cards that you've chosen for that particular battle. Um, and those battle cards, remember, not only do they have a plus minus or plus or minus value that uh, affle- affects how many figures you have in the region because it basically either bolsters or hurts your forces, but it can also have a zero and be used more importantly for its secondary effect, which is printed on the bottom of the card. So once you've revealed your cards, Not all of the cards are going to be resolved right away. Some of them are resolved during specific steps of the conflict, and some of them are resolved at other times in the game. Um, You get to the build monument phase. Um, Build monument is one of the battle cards, and if any of those battle cards have been exposed that are build monument, at that point, you're going to build the monument. And the monuments are important because, again, it can swing the power of the uh, conflict one way or the other. Next, you're going to resolve plague. Now, again, the Plague card is one of those battle cards, and if it's played, if, then you go through this section, and this is when you would resolve the Plague card. Next, you check for a Monument Majority. Remember how there were three different types of monuments? All of them could be built within the same region, and what you're looking for is determining which player, if either, has a majority of any given type of monument. To have that majority, you need to control more, more of those, that monument type in any given region Than the other player. And that's going to give you more devotion, which in turn makes you stronger in the battle. And then finally, you're going to resolve the battle. And that's based on what your total power is at the end of all of the other sub phases that came before it, right? Very much like Blood Rage, very much like Rising Sun. Whatever your final battle is, whoever it is that has the most, they win and they get the to to reap the benefits, and you're going to lose all of your characters, except, of course, for your God who never leaves the table. Because they're a god, and why should they? If it's a tie, everybody loses their 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 people. It's a very Shakespearean thing; everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the next thing on there, and that's actually I, is, uh, this is very similar to something that happens in Blood Rage, where everybody dies. Like everybody dies a lot in Airline Games. The next event type that can occur is the merging gods uh, event type, and when that happens it can only happen in a game where you have three or more players. And at the end of that third conflict, the two gods with the least amount of devotion, which of course is those those victory points, are, are going to basically merge. And that gives you access to some interesting stuff. You keep both of the god dashboards, and you add a card on the left that shows you what the merge power is. And the dashboards are going to be identical. So, There's going to be a major god and a minor god. The major god is the god that is... Like, let's say you have a four-player game. So you're going to lose third and fourth place, right? They're going to squish together. The third-place player is the major god. The fourth-place player is the minor god. The major god, whatever Ankh powers you've selected on their player board, will then instantly be reflected on the power board for the minor god. But the minor god's card combination card will be shown and the major gods combination card will be shown and those are all asymmetrical and give you more powers basically when you lose a player and they combine you get more powers available to you to try and basically catch you up it's a catch up mechanism which is really interesting hmm finally as you get towards the end of the game at the end of the fourth conflict event remember how I told you if your devotion is in the red versus the blue that you get kicked out of the game, your god is forgotten. And forgotten gods, nobody remembers, so you are wiped off the board. Ouch. Yeah. So basically, a turn sequence goes like this. You're going to take either one or two actions per turn. Your first act, uh, When you choose your first action, you're going to move that action marker. You're going to resolve that action. And if it, it triggers an event, you're going to resolve the event. If no event is triggered, you perform your second action. You have to choose a line lower than your first action for your second action. And again, at the end of that, you're going to check and see if the event got triggered. And if not, that's the end of your turn. Well done. If the events are triggered, you're going to go through all the steps to to, um, complete that event. And then at the end of the game, whoever is highest on the devotion track is going to win. Or, conversely... After that fourth event, if you're the only god that's alive after all the other gods are forgotten, then you win. And if you're the first person to hit the very, very top of the devotion track, you win. So that is the basics of how to play
1: Ankh. The basics of how to play Ankh. There there are a lot of
0: like you and I could go into like. All the nitty gritty of the different battle cards and all the nitty gritty. Right, 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 right. I'm, and, I'm uh, just saying. the asymmetrical aspects of it. My,
1: like, my point, my point, my point, bro, my point. It's a complicated game. So how does the rule book do explaining all that?
0: Really well. This is actually one of the best rule books I've ever read. I really, like, it all clicked with me at the end of my first reading. It all made perfect sense. It, it goes through everything in the same order that I went through it. And I, I, I copied that order just simply because it made a lot of sense. Like, it, it really clicked with me.
1: How, how long is it, out of curiosity? How many pages?
0: The rulebook is 30, 32 pages with the back cover. But um, keep in mind that there's a lot of uh, space used up by um, ex- deep explanations of each battle card. Um, right, right, Deep right. explanations of the different god powers uh, and uh, even some um, exploration of how the different gods work to try and help you with the asymmetrical nature of it. And that does not include, I might add, any of the scenarios. That's a separate booklet.
1: All right, so we're at this part of it. So it's a Simon game. So it it's pretty. But Jonathan, it's not look just at your pretty, phone. man.
0: Like they've upped no, no, no. their game.
1: Right. Look at your phone. Look at your phone. So I sent Jonathan a picture <clears throat> of oh, I forget what
0: that is. Wow,
1: wat, Watet Watinette? something like that. It's a hippopotamus with a alligator skin on its back, wielding some sort of weapon. But Jonathan, pl- tell me why, why, why did that hippopotamus, that anthropomorphic hippopotamus, need eight breasts?
0: Because the hippopotamus is a girl and female hippos have eight teats. Dude, I'm staring at my dog right now. She's got like 13. Uh, but but it's a humanoid one. Uh, but it's not really humanoid. It's just standing up on its back legs. It's
1: very clearly a Hippos don't do that. Anyway. They do when they I'm are looking, a minor god. I'm looking at you, Simon. I don't know if we needed that. But other than that, I've been looking at these miniatures and they're people have a lot of very prettily painted miniatures. Those, those are the, supremely well painted, by the way. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. That uh, Taret. That's that's the god. Uh, that's the fifth picture in on board game geek. If you want to look at it, but yes, we're not even going to go into it. Simon Simon gets no points for making exquisite miniatures because they always make exquisite miniatures and they're always better than the last time. I don't know how they do that. I don't. They continually I mean, up their I, game. I think
0: it's really a testament to how these board game companies have been pushing the plastics manufacturers to to get better with their molding. I don't know that we can get much better. Like this is a mass-produced product. This yeah, is yeah, like- you say
1: that, you say that, and then like we get the the Dune game and they up their ante again. I'm just saying, dude, like I hope. All right, so we're gonna skip that because there's no reason to talk about it. The miniatures are gorgeous. All the components are are amazing. The board's actually very pretty too. I like the art on it.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually went all in on the Kickstarter, so I have the neoprene mat for the board, which is I even know. better because it let you it lets you spread everything out a little bit more. It gives you a little bit better footprint. Nice. Yeah, I, I I have the the neoprene for all three of the games in the mythic, uh, in the mythic, and it, it does make it's worth the investment because it makes the board bigger and um, it just like allows you to spread stuff out a bit more. On the cardboard
1: version of the board,
0: things get a little cramped. And I I could say that about all three of the mythic games. All right. So
1: is there anything off in the execution of the game?
0: No, not a damn thing. Like this is sublime. It's it's a perfect
1: execution. So since they have different stuff for the different player counts, is there any sweet spot or does it work well? I mean, how many how many people have you played this with?
0: I've played it with three players and I've played it with four players.
1: I don't know that I would ever want to play it with two players.
0: Um, I think it works really well at three and four. I would say it it was pretty equal. I am very curious to try it with five because that's going to make the board get really, really cramped. And that could make for an interesting set of conflicts. What's interesting is the scenarios help to balance out the player count. Because remember, the scenario has you setting stuff up, including camel caravans, so that the regions are well-balanced. And the, the scenarios, I must say, everything I've played so far,
1: really, really well balanced. All right, Jonathan. This is a long ass episode, so don't go too long here. But is there any one last thing you'd like to say about this game?
0: This is my favorite trilogy in board games. Every single one of these games, I would mark in my, my top 20 games of all time. And yet all three of the games are different, but it's very clear that they're related. This is my favorite one of the bunch. And not just because it's Egypt, and that's something I studied a lot. From a gameplay perspective, Blood Rage is all aggression. It's all about maximum aggression. Get as many dudes on the board as possible, have them fight, take the fight to your enemy, and just squash them, right? Rising Sun is all about politics. Aggression will never work in Rising Sun. There's a time for it, but it's a tool. It's not a state. And Rising Sun is all about working together and against your opponents, and it's almost like a poker match in that you're trying to read what your opponents are trying to do, and there's a time to to, to screw them, and there's a time to work with them. This game is the most balanced of the bunch. There's a political aspect, there's an aggression aspect, and the asymmetrical nature of the gods really helps to give you variation so that every time you play you're gonna get a different experience i really really enjoyed my time with this game it's it's the best of the mythic trilogy it's a perfect way to cap this series of games off i think it's eric lang's love letter to dudes on a map games
1: All right, well, that is Ankh! Gods of Egypt now available for you to buy. I'm looking at it at Amazon. Retails for $99.99, although it is at various states off, depending on where you buy it.
0: Worth every penny. I really enjoy this game. All right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 131 of the Forgotten My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you, which, of course, means, Robert, any final thoughts?
1: I'm sending you a link in Discord of art for Trinity Ether.
0: Uh, let's take a look.
1: So the Trinity covers they 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 kind of have a bar of art that goes down the middle. So this is going to be the bar of art that goes down the middle of the cover. Oh crap! That looks awesome. <laughs> oh my god! I need this. You you can look it up. It's on it's on the interwebs. But basically, it's topped off by what Mar- what Jonathan? There's. Martians invading a Victorian city.
0: There's, like, a Cthulhu-like tentacle beast. There's there's Tesla. There's goggles. There's definitely vampires. There's a friggin' T-Rex that's getting, like, cast by, like, a 1900s, early 1900s explorer, but he's got, like, a friggin', like, Tesla gun or something. I don't... There's a lot to unpack here, man. It's just... The more you go down, the more there is, and it's it's all tasty as I get out.
1: Uh, do you know who that lady with the cross is next to Tesla on the sort of the opposite side?
0: Is that like what Mina?
1: That's Mina. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the whole game is about Dude, the manipulating player characters. Ether. I'm
1: assuming are at the bottom. Those three player characters. I don't know. I don't know who's who, but yes, but that's your powers. You're manipulating ether, which is green energy. Which, I don't know if you know anything about science fiction and supernatural stuff, but green energy is generally evil, so it's probably not something people should mess with. But these people seem to be messing with it quite a bit. I'm down. When do we start? <laughs> well, it's not out yet. I'll let you know. They, uh, what's nice about these uh, these Kickstarters is they usually have like the rough draft of the rule book that if you back it, you just can immediately unlock that. Or usually within the first week, they post it. So uh, by the next time, especially because especially because I'm going on vacation, so I won't be back to record for at least three weeks at this point. So yeah, it's going to be a while till we do another episode, but by then I will definitely have a, have that and I will, I will probably have devoured it. So it will be interesting. You know what else is nice about these books? I really like this format, like, you know, old school white wolf. They used to like tease out this meta plot and it was really annoying. So what these new rule books do is like, you know, the front half is like, you know, The new how to make a character in the setting, blah, blah, blah. And then they have the fluff. And then usually the last two chapters are just like they like put all their cards on the table about like, you know, this is the story and this is what we're going for. And these are the bad guys and this is what they've been doing and whatnot. And uh, it's nice because the front part of the book is is player facing. So they don't reveal all those mysteries. It's just kind of like the stuff that the players would know just by living in the world is up front. But in the back, they give you all the juicy secrets. It's good times.
0: I'm into it. I'm very into it.
1: This looks fun. Anyway, I will let you know next time, because this goes, they they just announced it. It goes live at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, so that'd be 11 o'clock my time tomorrow.
0: I'm down. This is the world I want to play in.
1: (laughs) World War Martians, T-Rexes, and Dracula are all in the same spot at the same time. I mean, yeah. That sounds like a bad joke. A T-Rex, a Dracula,
0: (laughs) and a Martian walk into a bar. That means there's only one last thing to do, Robert. And that is be excellent to one another and party on.
1: Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.